Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We are uh, going to be live out at Free State High School for our show starting at 4 o'clock. We'll have a uh, KU mailbag coming up. We're going to be joined by all sorts of great guests throughout the show. we got our points draft coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And then at 7 o'clock, we'll be airing the actual game in the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. Uh, another uh, Thursday segment here, which is our kind of our throwback Thursday segment. We do our the Jayhawk, Jayhawk rewind. rewind. Yeah, yes. and uh, last week we did the KU Tennessee Tech game. Yep. So which, we're just gonna. I think we're just gonna kind of go through the football correct. season, right? Yeah. So week, week two. Okay, week two was West Virginia. Let's at go. West Virginia, Kansas at West Virginia. It was a game that Kansas ended up winning fifty-five to forty-two. Spoiler alert. Dude, wow! I had no idea. I was gonna go rewatch it tonight. <laughs> Moved Kansas to two and zero. West Virginia dropped okay. to zero and two. But if you recall, West Virginia was like thirteen point favorites. Yeah, going into this game. So let's start there. What we thought headed in. Uh, obviously, West Virginia was the favorites, as you mentioned. You played West Virginia close to end the year last year. Yep. So I think the general thought process for most KU fans was, let's keep it competitive, lose by single digits, and you feel pretty good. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking now. The, the official closing line on Caesar Sportsbook was West Virginia minus 14. By yeah. the way, the over-under was 60, which Kansas almost got to themselves. Uh, so that was that was an easy one there. But yeah, I mean, it was it was West Virginia had yeah. come off. They played on, it was like a Thursday or Friday. It was the Pittsburgh game. Yeah, yeah. and they played on a weeknight, and they lost a close game. that They could have won against a Pittsburgh team who was like a top 25 yeah. thought of preseason team. I don't think they ended up finishing there. They were a bowl team. Yeah, um, they had that play on fourth down that yes. like late in the game. The receiver did something. Like yeah, I think to drop a pass and yeah, got deflected and yeah. got pick sixth or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a game that like West Virginia, you didn't think they were like bad or anything like that. And KU was obviously coming off the, the blowout win against Tennessee Tech, which we didn't really know how much to kind of read into at the time. And I I think the thought really all preseason was that this was a one of the more winnable games. Winnable game, but you weren't maybe expecting to yes. win it, if that makes sense. And I remember having conversations in the preseason about how I thought it was unfortunate the timing of the game and the location. That what you mentioned, you played West Virginia close. I think you lost by six points uh, in, in your regular season finale the year before. Uh, but it sucked that you happened to play them in Morgantown. And it also stunk that you ended up playing them in week two. KU has, had never won in Morgantown. No, they hadn't. Yeah, hadn't. prior to this. Um, and... That you were playing them in week two, they were coming off a loss, so, you know, they're jazzed up to get that extra win and kind of playing them at a bad time. And I, I remember saying, like, I would feel better about this game if it was in, like, week eight. But it turns out Kansas was able to get the win and at that point um, really kind of established themselves. Uh, I yeah. also thought kind of coming into the game that you were coming off the Tennessee Tech game when Lonnie Phelps was absolutely dominant, four tackles yep. for loss, three sacks. KU as a whole had double-digit tackles for loss. Uh, they had a handful of sacks in the game. West Virginia's offensive line, which was, I, I think, returning four or five of their starters from the year before and was actually a good offensive line, but they really struggled in week one against Pitt. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh ended up having, it was close to double-digit sacks against West Virginia. Uh, they were They were all over the quarterback. And it was having that conversation that, like, yeah, you feel like KU should be able to exploit this a little bit. Uh, those are kind of the thoughts coming into the game. And then what exactly could uh, the KU offense do? Um, I think the thought was, could they maybe get 31 points and but win 31-28? West Virginia, their run defense was fantastic yeah. in the first game against Pittsburgh. So there was, I think, the real, with the offense, it was the discussion of, well, if the run game gets stuffed, can you what are you enough? what are you able what are you going to do? Yeah, I I don't think uh, 
That was that was this was the kind of breakout game I think for the offense. Yeah. I mean, putting up 50-whatever on Tennessee Tech, yeah. okay, it's an FCS yeah. team, whatever. Yeah. So then what happened in the game? We get to game time. Well, it was bad to start. Saturday night, yes, very bad. KU drops behind 14 nothing. And at that point, I think it was, it was you know, for a lot of KU fans. It was 14 nothing quick, too. Yeah, and for a lot of KU fans, it was, okay, here we go again. You know, I'm, re- I'm, I'm almost ready to change the channel, right? Because I remember talking about this after the game, and, and which was basically... This was just classic KU, where you just get knocked down early and you just don't get up. Yeah. And then the game is over in the first 10 minutes of the game. That's, yeah, West that's Virginia gets the ball to open up. They score a touchdown in four plays, 75-yard drive. Kansas has a has four yards on offense. They punt. Then West Virginia has a 60-yard drive for a touchdown. And then it's like, yeah, to your point, like, are they going to get off the mat? They did, though. Yeah. Engineered a 10-play, 79-yard drive. It's 14-7. And then, boom, all of a sudden, uh, the next drive was the one where the DB for for KU, just I forget who was on coverage, just fell down. And there was the 67-yard touchdown pass to Bryce Ford Wheaton, who just killed KU all game long. Yep. And just like that, it's 21-7. And it's like, okay, well, doesn't look like the defense is going to be participating <laughs> in today's game. Um, Kansas, again, responds well. They, they get a touchdown, 11-play, 75-yard drive. But then again, West Virginia goes down. This time a little tougher, but still 12-play, 75-yard drive. It's 28-14. The biggest sequence of this game was the double-dipping that Kansas went on. So they're down 28-14. Feels like you can't stop them. Feels like West Virginia's outplaying you. But yep. you go on a 10-play, 75-yard drive to finish the half. You score with, I think, 24 seconds left to make it 28-21. Then you get into the halftime break. You come out in the second half. You score on an 8-play, 75-yard drive. It's tied 28-all. And just that double dipping, and yeah. then all of a sudden, it's you a get brand, a brand new game at that Yeah, point. you get your first punt from West Virginia. You end up punting, but they muff the punt, and you score a touchdown. And all of a sudden, in a span of about, I don't know, 10 minutes of game time, you have gone from down 14 to up seven. And I think the shock that that just kind of put on the West Virginia side was as yeah. pivotal as anything that and happened. That muff punt play. For KU fans, that was the type of thing where that would happen to yeah. KU, right? Like yeah. you would like think that you might have a chance to get back in the game. That's something that would happen to KU. So it was kind of this weird feeling, I think, where it was like, wait a second, KU's getting some breaks here, and not only that, not only they getting some breaks, they're capitalizing on those breaks, and they're right back in the game. They've totally rallied from this big deficit that feels like it was forever ago, and all of a sudden, KU's in the lead on the road. Yeah. Um, so then KU gets up 42-31 eventually. They had a four-play, 65-yard touchdown drive that was finished off with a 30-yard touchdown run by Daniel Hyshaw. And at that point, there is, gosh, I, I don't know, not much time left in the game. And yeah. uh, But then there was that very questionable punt by Lance Leipold. Yeah. Leaf, with like, it was like fourth and three from midfield. Yeah, West Virginia first, they got it to 42-34. And then, yeah, it was the punt. It was fourth down and one at the KU 42 yeah. with two minutes and 17 seconds left. To where if KU runs a QB sneak and picks it up, game's over, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but they ended up punting it. And West Virginia goes down. They have the one play where it, like, did it hit? I forget if it hit a KU player trying to deflect it or something, but it just popped up, or maybe it hit an offensive lineman or something, defensive lineman, and it just popped up straight in the air, and Bryce Ford Wheaton like runs it down and then runs across the field. It was just like, oh, no, this is happening. They have yeah. a 13-play, 85-yard drive. They score a touchdown with 35 seconds left. 
and then they go for two and they get it, and now we're tied at 42. And then KU just decides to knee on it and go to overtime. So it's like, oh no, are they are they playing overly conservative? Yeah, and it's going to cost them the game. Yeah, this was the ultimate roller coaster of emotions, right? Because like early in the game, KU's down big, and you think, oh boy, this game's over. This is great though. I'm going to have the rest of my Saturday night off. I can just turn the TV <laughs> off and go have a have a beer with the boys and be happy and not even think about KU. Then they come rallying back. They're in the lead. You're like, what is going on? KU's getting these breaks. And then late in the game, on fourth and one, they punt. You're like, okay, well, West Virginia's going to score. Sure enough, they go score. And then they get the two, and now you're going to overtime, not feeling very great. Because in my in my I've always thought the same way. If you're the home team going to overtime, you always have the advantage, I think. And so I was like, "Oh boy, dude, this is gonna feel. This is gonna slip right through their fingertips." Yeah, and then they they get the ball first in overtime, and uh, they ended up converting multiple big third downs. So they had third and five. They get a pass to Tory Lachlan. They also had a roughing the passer. So I guess they would have got it regardless. Uh, and then they get to third and goal at the four. And with the way that the defense had struggled, it's like if you kick a field goal, you're you're feeling yeah. like you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, but Jalen Daniels hits Quentin Skinner in the back of the end zone for a four yard touchdown, and they take the forty nine to forty two lead. And then obviously Kobe Bryant happens. The pick six, yes. baby. And if you remember the TV broadcast, the announcer just was quiet for like five seconds. Do you remember <laughs> that? Uh, vaguely, actually. Did he just not say anything? It was well. It was the it was the Big Twelve Now broadcast. It was uh, mm, the the female yeah. broadcaster. I can't remember her name. Um, and it, he had the interception, and just like here, you know what? Let's. I think we have the clip somewhere. Let Let's just play it right here. We'll get it after. Okay, so there's that clip. Just like speechless for I don't know five seconds or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, so KU ends up winning the game, fifty five forty two in overtime. They finished 11 of 15 on third down. They were 1 of 1 on fourth down, so just money on money downs. They ran for over 200 yards. You you talked about the West Virginia defense. West Virginia had over 500 yards as a team. Uh, Part of the biggest, I don't know, difference in the game, honestly, might have been the turnovers. KU had zero. West Virginia had two. You had the muff punt, Tory Lachlan recovers that we already talked about. the pick six. Yep, the pick six to finish out the game. KU ends up with zero turnovers. Like Those are the biggest differences. So we move on to the next part of this. What we thought... Or learned after the game. Um, new era. New era. That's obviously the big thing that always comes to mind when I think of that game. The, yep. the, the video that was yep. posted I, after. I mean, for that reason, I think this is going to be a game where 20 years from now people are going to remember that Correct. game. Correct. I think Just you from can that still like, buy t-shirts at some of the local places that say like New Era with Jalen Daniels on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the it's the in the aftermath. West Virginia has just tied the game 42 all. And you would think that like, oh no, we've lost all momentum. And... Jalen Daniels is just, it's the social media where he's just calm, cool, and collected and like, all right, let's go do it. And then you have him in the aftermath of them winning the game, him yelling, new era, new era, all that stuff. And that was kind of the feeling for what this game meant for the program. Uh, I wrote a dudes list, guys who I thought were dudes in okay. the game. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Daniels. Just guys being dudes. Yeah, just guys being dudes. Jalen Daniels. <laughs> Daniel Highshaw was great in this game. Uh, Luke Grimm. He led the team in receptions and receiving yards, and, and I remember him having a big like third down down yeah. the yeah. Uh, sideline on a deep ball kind of catch. Uh, Tory Lachlan had the big third down catch before the the touchdown in overtime. Had the the recovered uh, punt. Uh, the offensive line was was great. They kept Jalen upright. Obviously ran for two hundred yards. Uh, Kobe Bryant obviously having the pick six at the end. Andy Kotelnicki. This was this yes, was this the was introduction his, to. Yes. The mad scientist Andy Kotelnicki, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. And I remember my biggest takeaway from this game at that point was, okay, Lance Leipold's system is working. What's Lance Leipold is preaching 
has gotten through and it's working. And the resiliency of this team is just was just so remarkable, right? I mean, I remember talking about this on our show after you know in the week after this game, which was uh, you look at past years of K football, the past twelve years, down fourteen nothing, game's over, the lights are out, it's done, go home, pa- load the bus, <laughs> it's done, okay. And th- for this KU team, it, w- it was just different. It literally was a new era, like Jalen Daniel said, where they, they were the resiliency was incredible. They didn't give up. They they continued to, to battle and rallied back. And and that was the moment where I thought, okay, Lance Leipold, what he is preaching, what his message is, what his goals for the program are, clearly they are working. Clearly something is getting through. There's actually, you can feel a legitimate culture change to where this may not be the old KU football, the KU football that gets down 14 nothing and the game is over, or the old KU football where one bad thing happens and it just snowballs out of control. This is a, a new brand of KU football that, quite honestly, for most, especially young fans, never have never seen before, have yeah. never experienced before. Yeah, uh, quite, quite literally, yeah, the new era part. Um, it was kind of the unveiling also of learning that KU was going to run this like triple option, spread option, because yeah. they didn't really show it a ton in the offseason. They were kind of mum about it. They didn't and really then, show it at all in the Tennessee Tech I think game. there was like one play, maybe two, yeah. that yeah. they showed it, but it was just kind of like a wrinkle that it seemed like they threw it in. It was the primary offense against West Virginia and ended up leading them to a lot of success. But yeah, this was the moment where like you knew this immediately. The quest to get to four wins felt very real, and the quest to get to six wins... Um, it led to you start having the conversation, like real conversations about it. Yes. You know? I mean, I, you know, you didn't want to get too crazy with it. Right. But at the time, it was like, okay, yeah, this is a, you know, you get a it Big like 12 road win. It opened a little bit. You went, on, you went for the first time in program history at Morgantown. You get your first Big 12 road win in I don't know how long. I don't even remember the last one. Wasn't it? Well, uh, it was the year before, Texas. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Before that one. <laughs> So I guess your second yeah. Big 12 road win. But, you know, you 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 go on the road in the Big 12 and you win a game uh, and rallying back the way you did. And, yeah, it, it was just – it was very, very impressive. And there was, a, you know, a good amount of optimism after that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, another takeaway that I kind of had just outside of this was I think it was the realization for us. Because if you remember in the offseason, it was, okay, Devin Neal, we know he's going to get his carries. How are they going to split it up between Kai Thomas, Savion Morrison, and Daniel Hyshaw? And we heard a lot during the fall camp of how well Daniel Hyshaw was playing, but we still thought Kai Thomas was going to kind of be like the number two running back or at least be yeah. you know, kind of on equal Which, footing. Okay, that, maybe this should be one of our hindsight things. In hindsight, we should have known this because if you remember, virtually every time the running back room was brought up between yeah. like July, August, leading into the season, Lance Leipold... Pretty much always would bring up Daniel Highshaw, yeah. whether anybody asked about it or not. He would say, "Well, you know that Highshaw kid, you know he's doing really, really well." Oh yeah, Daniel Highshaw has been doing really well, and I guess nobody listened to him because then there he was. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's that's a good way of putting it. That, that's a good hindsight thing. But this was the game that it was affirmed because yeah. you had uh, Daniel Highshaw and Devin Neal both had ten carries, which tied for the team lead. Highshaw actually ended up with with more yards than Devin Neal. That felt like it meant something. And then you had Kai Thomas and Savion Morrison combining for three carries. That's that was it. So it became clear at that moment those were your top two. Yeah, and I also think that this game it became clear Jalen Daniels is the guy. Right? I mean sure. remember that quarterback battle was Kind of borderline 50-50, basically. Yeah, in the, the, eyes of some the amount of plays that he made on those third and fourth downs, for yeah. them to go 12 of 16 between third and fourth downs, like a lot of that was just him. Yeah, yeah. And obviously they both played in the, tech, in the Tennessee Tech game. Like So were we were, at that point, I guess, were we really truly sold on Jalen Daniels? Yeah, I mean, it was certainly the idea that 
what he did to finish the year before, it was like, yeah, we think this guy's going to be really good, but you needed that affirmation for a new season upcoming yes. and to do what he did. Yeah, that, that was kind of the moment. Uh, now, some things that didn't come to fruition as, as maybe takeaways from that game, KU's run defense being fixed. It was good against Tennessee Tech. It was good against West Virginia. It was actually good in, in some future games after this, too. Um, you gave up 42 points. Obviously, that doesn't look good, and the defense overall wasn't good, but you held West Virginia to 3.8 yards per carry. So it's kind of like, oh, well, at least the run defense is better. But yeah, that yeah. didn't hold up over the course of the season. <laughs> yeah, you might have felt like uh, – I, I remember we kept doing this thing every Monday after each game where we would say, stamp of approval, is the run defense fixed? Yeah. And we did it for like six games because they had some games like this against West Virginia, and then they had some major relapses as well. So, yeah, but in, in the end, it, it was clear that the run defense was going to be – Inconsistent at best, which is maybe not what we expected at coming out of this game. All right, some other hindsight 2020 things. Again, this goes back to the first week, the fumble issues. Highshot yeah. fumbled inside the five yep. of West Virginia. He was able to recover it. So KU ended up having good fumble luck there, but over the course of the season, that cost him a little bit. Um, I think uh, problems closing games out down the stretch became, it didn't become like a uh, a gigantic say, story, I but think, there were a couple other games that have popped up. Yeah, or I would say maybe like getting too conservative too quick yeah. would like, be the good way to put it. So you led by 11 with 10 minutes left. Then you led by 8 with 4 minutes left. Then you had that 4th and 1 with 2 minutes left at the 42 around midfield. You you couldn't hold the lead. You had to win it in overtime. You couldn't sit on the lead. If you remember the Duke game, you're up 35-27 with the ball. You couldn't close it out. Had to yep. punt back to them and yep. make a stop. Iowa State. You had a couple tries to close I mean, them out. You, you just you needed do- some terrible yeah, field goal kicking exactly, to win the game. Exactly. Uh, I guess you didn't close. Str- this is less of like closing out with the lead, but you just didn't close out strong against Texas Tech. So like there are other games there where if you just finish in maybe one or two more of those games, boom, you have an even more special season. Uh, the overall defensive issues, hindsight twenty twenty, like you know that. They were going to give up 42 to West Virginia. Like, okay, well, that makes sense now. Yeah. And, and then West- I think uh, this is something that I don't even remember focusing that much on the game itself because we were talking about Jalen Daniels and uh, the excitement of just winning the game and what it meant for the program and the, and the running game and the triple option. But KU wound up being fine at receiver. And I think you saw a lot of flashes in that game about why. Yes. And remember, we had this conversation quite a bit where going into the year, the wide receiver room was looked at as probably the weakest position on the whole team. Like, not even just looking at the defense or the offense, just as the whole team, right? Uh, I don't really know what... The the expectations weren't very high for Lawrence Arnold. They weren't very high for Luke Grimm. Quinn Skinner was young and unproven. So there was was questions about that room, and this this game, starting with this game against West Virginia and going forward, it was clear that while maybe they weren't... Maybe there wasn't one superstar guy in the whole room, they were going to be consistent. They were going to be consistently, you know, reliable targets for Jalen Daniels, uh, which was significant. And this was maybe kind of the start of that. What did this teach us for 2023? Hmm. I can start. Um, <laughs> okay, I, go ahead. I think that. I mean, I guess it. Ta- I guess this game is the game that taught me the resilience of KU. Sure. Yeah, the the comeback kids part, because uh, this was the first of many. You think about the Houston game, which we'll get to next week. You think about the Baylor game, they didn't win, but they they were down, what, 28-3? You think about the Arkansas game, again, didn't win, but the comeback that they had uh, shows the type of heart and commitment to the coach, and that is important because you're not going to win every comeback, but the more you come back, the closer games you you push it to be, better chance you have of at least snabbing a few wins here or there. I, I think, too, it showed that you know KU and West Virginia, as of last year, were kind of Instead of in the past, like 
if you were tearing out the state of the programs, not just the the team that season, but the the state of the programs in the Big Twelve, KU prior to Lance Leipold was you know on their own in the bottom, right? Yes. I think now that Lance Leipold has arrived, it's safe to say. As of last year, they may be moved up to the same tier as West Virginia, if not soaring above. Because right now, Neil Brown's on the hot seat. Lance Leipold <laughs> seems to be in good shape. You got all these players back. We'll see what they can do this year. But yeah. you have an opportunity to move above a tier on another Big 12 program that you just played in West Virginia. And that's obviously important. And then I, I think the last part of this is just you have key players to make clutch plays. Like yeah. having yeah. Jalen Daniels. I mean, for a team, if you think about it this way, like Alabama, Georgia, those those teams— they're beating everybody for the most part 42 to 14 every week, you know, to where if you have players who aren't clutch or don't perform well in the big moment, now they tend to as well, uh, but it's not as big of a deal because you're not playing as many of those games. If you're a school like Kansas, a lot of times you're not going to blow out a lot of teams. Correct. Especially in a conference like the Big 12, which has so many like quality teams. Yeah. You have to be able to master winning in close games. And how you do that, you do that with players who make crucial plays, that make key plays, that make clutch plays with good coaching, with good quarterback play. And, and I think this was a showing of, of that Kansas has a lot of those components. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I think it, this to me, this was the game that really opened my eyes to Lance Leipold, the motivator, Lance Leipold, the coach, Lance Leipold, the guy putting the puzzle pieces in the right place, and his philosophy really seeping into the program, right? It wasn't like... This was the moment where I realized it wasn't like previous KU football head coaches who maybe had been a lot of talk and then didn't back it up at all. Lance Leipold backed it up. Uh, he backed it up by with with his own coaching uh, in in close games and in this close game, and he backed it up with how his players responded as well. That clearly his messaging, clearly uh, you know his he getting behind closed doors with the players and whatnot. Clearly that all was meaning something and producing positive steps in the right direction. Uh, that is our uh, Jayhawk rewind for the week, uh, talking the KU West Virginia game. We will get to the Houston game on next week's edition of the Jayhawk Rewind. All right, that's going to do it for the uh, 3 o'clock hour here. We'll be live from Free State High School in the 4 o'clock hour. We're going to start things off with our KU mailbag. That coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into RCST. We are live from Free State High School ahead of the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. We're on until 7, and then uh, really on after that with the uh, game taking place at 7 o'clock. Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, and uh, it's time for our KU mailbag. Best segment of the week. Were you mad when I didn't do it off the top of the hour? I, I was a little disappointed, yeah. I just rolled with it, and I was like, dude, I thought we had a plan. I thought we were going to do the KU mailbag, and then you just started going all willy-nilly. I was like, all right, I guess we're just you know, we're just going with it. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I was a little upset. It's my favorite segment of the week. Right, well, we got that. there eventually. We got there okay. eventually. Patience okay, is a virtue. Listen, uh, I do not have a lot of patience. I'm not a, I'm not a patient person. First yeah. up, from Scott. How good is KU if you can return DeJon Terry, Marcus Harris, Karan Prunty to the defense? All guys that uh, had really good freshman seasons or showed some sort of flash or potential with the Les Miles era, then transferred out with the coaching change. And now we see DeJon Terry going to Oklahoma. Marcus Harris, I believe, is at Auburn. And uh, Karan Prunty, I think, went to Virginia Tech, played really well, and then now is at like a HBCU, but he still has been like a really good player wherever he's hmm. been. So what what happens if you add those those players? Well, I'm most interested in Dejon Terry and yep. uh, and Harris as front seven guys that would probably make a pretty significant impact, especially considering the fact that you don't have Lonnie Phelps on this team this season, right? I mean, if you have if you had both those guys, 
and but then you lose Lonnie Phelps, you're still like, oh, we're fine. Everything's great. Everything's fine and dandy. So that's a, those are the two that I really am interested in the most because, like, if you add Prunty to the secondary, that just the secondary is already pretty good. So I mean, I'm not saying that he wouldn't improve it, but I'm I think where you move the needle the most in terms of how good the KU defense would be, it's those front seven guys. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you could argue that if Marcus Harris and Dejon Terry are still at K, KU, they're the two best defensive linemen. Like, okay, Marcus Harris in the SEC at Auburn the last two years has 13 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. I mean, he's he's been a really good player for them. Yeah. Uh, players who's playing a lot of football and then with Dejon Terry he was a starter for Tennessee who was a top 10 team in the country and now he's going to Oklahoma so yeah those would probably be your two best defense linemen I mean, that, that would, that would instantly run. yeah that would instantly boost your your floor of your defense right. significantly and I think that guys. I think Melo Dotson's a solid starter but I think with Karan Prunty he would be, you, he would start he if would you start. had Prunty next to Kobe Bryant you could argue you have the best corner duo I mean Kobe Bryant is first season first First team all preseason on the Big 12. Right. If Grant Prunty was still at KU, he would probably be second team maybe. Sure. So, yeah, you would have two all-conference guys at both on both sides of the field. Well, I think it's and, good to point out, though, that it could be even better than that. Like, Prunty and Bryant, I believe, were part of the same recruiting class. Bryant had to gray shirt. Now, that could be... Could be grades related, could be qualifying related. It, it might be about just one was better than the other. But with Prunty, he started right away as a true freshman. So you can make the argument that Prunty would actually be their number one, which is, is crazy to think about. Yeah, just shows that extra you, year of experience. I think yeah. if you have all three of those guys, you're probably looking at Are you being, a top five defense in the Big 12? Okay, I, I guess right now, where, where's the starting point? They're probably bottom three in the Big 12, right? I would say right now, yeah, bottom okay. three-ish. I think yeah. I was looking at the ESPN SP Plus just to get a general range of this the other day uh, for the preseason rankings, and KU was either 12th or 13th. So, yeah, bottom three of the 14 teams now. Um, yeah, I think you're at least middle of the pack, which we asked the question yesterday or two days ago, whenever that was, to Kevin Flaherty, if this if was just a middle-of-the-pack defense, how many games are they win? He said yes. eight or nine. Exactly, right? yeah. If, if you're if you're a middle-of-the-pack defense with those three guys added in, yeah. You could be a legitimate right. Big Twelve title contender. But probably. now, what if they are? What if they end up being a middle of like, pack defense this year anyway? And then you add those three players exactly. in the top five. Do you win ten <laughs> games? Like honestly, you might. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Crazy. You know, right now, I think if you're KU, you feel like if you start off, if you get a really strong start to your season, maybe you start to get in the conversation as like sort of an outside looking in dark horse potential of the Big Twelve mm-hmm. title race. Like, let's say you start four and zero or whatever, you, and you beat BYU and you beat I think UCF is their second game in conference and you beat Illinois, at that point you probably are in the conversation as a potential kind of dark horse pick. Sure, right? sure. And, but if you had those three guys, maybe you might be in the actual conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one from Bert. Would Kansas have won the title if Christian Brown came back last year? Which This comes at a perfect time after he just went off in the NBA Finals last night. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? So I'm, I'm a Denver Nuggets fan. And I was actually thinking about this last night. A so little why bit are you asking question? Fan. Okay, well, I'm glad you asked. So um, <laughs> I, I've lived all over. I've lived in Texas, Colorado, California, and everything. Okay. Um, I lived in Colorado when I was like 9 to 13. And uh, my best friend had Denver Nuggets season tickets. And the first NBA mm. games I ever went to were with him. And I would go to a couple games. So just became Denver yeah. Nuggets fan. That was okay, Carmelo yeah. Anthony days. And uh, just became yeah. a Nuggets fan and stuck with it. Um, so, but I was I thinking didn't mean about to sidetrack. This. No, no, no. It's totally fine. Uh, so I was thinking about this, and I was like, you know what's funny? If, if Christian Brown comes back to KU this past season, there's a good chance KU has another title, but there's also a good chance my Denver Nuggets 
don't win this NBA Finals. I mean, it's it's possible. Like, it's, it does sound crazy <laughs> to be like, oh, the eighth or ninth guy is going to be the difference. But, like, he last night. He was the night, second best player last night. Last night, I know. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, you look at game two, the Nuggets lost by whatever, three points. And he was great in that game, too. He was really good in that game. He was better than Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. was just missing everything, and he just gets lost on defense and stuff uh, to where, like, I don't know. It might not change. Like, like who knows who the Nuggets have instead at that draft pick. But um, it's just but funny how it comes KU with, Yeah, what about does, KU? Does KU with Christian Brown and Bill Self beat UConn? That's the problem. Like, are you sure like, UConn that they win that game? I, they definitely beat Arkansas, right? Yes. But what if Bill Self's not back for the UConn game? But you still have, Christian, you have Brown. Christian Brown. I don't know. Because, okay, think about this, though. Jalen Wilson was one of the five best players in the country. If True. Christian Brown comes back, he's also probably Christian Brown be the best player on KU last year. I mean, he was a first yes, round pick. More than he was a first round pick. Yes, he was better than Jalen Wilson the year before. So in theory, you would have two, two of the, the top five. six yeah. at that point yeah. players in the country. I think there is a real case to be made that if that ends up happening, they might not even have to go through UConn in the Sweet Sixteen. Like, think about it. You think maybe they get like the number one overall seed, seed right? Maybe they win yeah. another two games in the regular season, and then yeah. they're ahead of Alabama. And now they're having to go through San Diego State and Creighton, and then they get to the title game, and maybe they do lose to UConn, but at that point you're at the very least national runners-up. But um, you think about and, – and here's another twist of this, though. Do you get Kevin McCuller if Christian, Christian Brown's back? If you don't, it does change Probably this up. Probably not. But what if you hypothetically do, and you can roll out a lineup of, gosh, I'm trying to think which which guy would come off the bench at that point. Like, would it be, uh, it'd be would Grady Dick have been coming off the bench? I, I guess to start the year, probably. Right? Yeah, you would have rolled out You would have rolled out Dewan McCuller, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, and then Katie Adams. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. So, With Grady Dick off the bench. But I don't think Grady Dick would have been coming off the bench the whole year. Yeah, it's, it's tough. So maybe to, McCuller comes off the bench, but his defense is I so good. Know, like That's tough. That's really tough. Do you play Jalen as a small ball five? You definitely know. could. They played um, some of that this year. They did. So I hate saying, like, I hate declaring being like, oh, they would have for sure won the title of that. Because in the NCAA tournament, <laughs> it still is a crapshoot. It still yeah. is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely yeah, would have no, increased your chances. There's no guarantee they beat you. I'll say this. I feel like you would have been the best, like, team in the country going in. Yeah. Whatever would have happened in the tournament happened in the tournament. But Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this one from Evan. How many holes does a straw have? Oh, easy. A straw has one hole. Okay, I agree with you on this. Oh, really? It's one hole. It just okay. goes straight through. Yeah, exactly. It goes straight through. It's, it, no matter which way you look at the straw, it's the same hole. If you're looking at it from one end or you flip it to the other end, no. you're looking through the same singular yes. hole in the straw. Yes. So it only has one hole. Because, like, to, to imply two argument, holes would it, mean you would they need made to be some it, sort of yeah. obstruction in the middle. Correct. So, they, but that would defeat the purpose of the straw. Yes. And so they, it's they, ridiculous. When they made it, it was just this like tube that wasn't hollow. Yes. And they pushed out half of it, and then they flipped it around and pushed out the other half. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So no, they, no it's definitely it's, one hole. Hundred percent. I'm glad we agree. However, if we had disagreed, it would probably would have made better for better. Okay, radio, wait. But well, I'll throw a, I'll throw a little uh, objection in then. Is there a chance it is zero holes? No. Because what if they just built it in a circle and wrapped it around? Then a hole was never made. So if I take a piece of paper, I have a piece of paper in front yes. of me. Yes. It's a flat piece of paper. Yes. And you roll and it I up. And I roll it up like this. Technically, there was not a hole being made. Is, the, is this a hole now? I don't think so. How, what do you mean? It's clearly, it's you look through it. But that's that, like the definition of a hole. I don't you look a through hole, the hole. I don't think a hole, it's, 
It says a hollow is place and a solid body or surface. So I don't know. That's yes, this is a is hollow it? place and a solid body or surface. Mm. So if I roll up a piece of paper, is that a solid body or surface though? It's paper. If I if I tape it, point in time, if I tape it or put some, is that really a solid body? If I tape the paper or something, it becomes solid. Yes. I think a. I think, ridiculous. Yes, it I has, think solid surface has to be implied as like something hard, like wood, the ground, not paper, not plastic. So maybe straw zero holes. No, I completely disagree. Okay, thank wrong. you for convincing me. Zero holes. Uh, this one from Derek Ho, who was part of our uh, trivia uh, competition. This is probably a no, but would Coach Self consider expanding his rotation to eight or nine this year? He has the players to do it, especially with two more scholarships to fill. Kaluma, come on down. Yeah, I feel like if he adds Arthur Kaluma, it definitely could expand. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It kind of gets to that question of, like, with Bill Self, if you have 10 elite players and you're Bill Self, do you play all 10 or do you just play the top seven or eight of your elite players? Mm-hmm. So then you still so you still have the 10 elite players, but two of them don't play. Yeah, so there, there is at least a little precedent. There, there is one year that I look back to. It was the 2010-2011 season when KU lost to VCU in the Elite Eight, and they were one of the best teams in the country. Um, that team had really seven guys who were, I don't know, maybe even eight guys who were pretty much always in the rotation, barring injury. Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, Tyro Reed, Brady Morningstar, Tyshawn Taylor, Elijah Johnson, Thomas Robinson, Mario Little. And then you also had Josh Selby, who had some injuries he was dealing with. You had Travis Relliford, who played 29 games, started three. You have Jeff Withy, who played 26 games. You could make the argument that that team basically played like a nine or ten even rotation. Um so I, I think there is at least some precedent. The problem becomes the issue you run into is what are we you don't have about? you don't have even depth across the entire across your entire roster at the moment. Yeah. So like you could go you could play more guys, but if it's all guards, then it's like makes it you know harder. What I mean? it's, yeah, it's yeah. not an even rotation. Yeah, you're not going to play a Marco Jackson at the four, right? No. Um, okay, I'm looking to the Elite Eight game though. Like that'll give us a good idea because there's two parts of this conversation. It's what's yes. the rotation going to be in the in regular the, uh, season, pre- either in the non-conference, yeah. in-conference play, and then come the postseason. Because yeah. it seems like usually it's like okay, non-conference is maybe nine guys, and then conference once you get is to eight. February, postseason it's seven. Yeah, right? once you get to like mid-February postseason, it's like eight. Seven. Yeah. So the uh, Elite Eight game against VCU, they played nine deep, but Elijah Johnson played six minutes. Thomas Robinson played six. Mario Little played five. So realistically, <laughs> so it was a six-man six. rotation. <laughs> and it was basically a seventh-man rotation where the seventh man is one of those last three players kind of just rotating for that one spot. So I guess the short answer here it's is probably no. there is precedent that it could be expanded in the regular season, but come postseason, no. It seems like it's going to be, if you're not in the Bill Self-Circle with trust, good luck yeah. getting on the floor. Exactly. Uh, this one from Seamus. What is your favorite round ball classic memory? Oh, so this is your first, right? Yeah, this is my first one that I'm going to experience uh, in person. So I haven't really had the opportunity to create any uh, memories from previous round ball classics. Um, I've known about it and whatnot, and I've you know read about it or whatever, or seen would, it. Would you like to but, predict uh, a favorite moment from tonight? Hmm. My favorite moment from tonight will be if Trent Green scores. Okay, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm gonna go, man. Yeah, you've obviously been a part of more of these. Yeah. Um, I think from a, there's, from a basketball perspective, from the actual, like, on the court, what happens, um, I would say favorite moment might be there, – there was a, a stretch a couple of years ago where Todd Reesing in a game just kind of, like, got hot and was making, like, <laughs> fancy assists and stuff. That was really fun. Um, I think seeing – 
Frank Mason. There was one year, this was a couple of years ago in Eudora where they had it, um, where Frank Mason was there and there, there were Brandon Rush was there. It, it was a really good turnout. And uh, some of the players at the end of the game were like, no, you're not taking me out. We have to win this game. <laughs> And it was kind of fun to see the, the intensity in, in a Chinese-style basketball yeah. well, game. Like, that was when Cole um, Aldridge came on our show last week and said, yes. you know, it's all fun and games until you get down to the <laughs> right. last four minutes or so, and then guys want to win. Right, right. Uh, there have been some great moments, like highlights of people throwing down. I, I constantly think of, like, Ben McElmore throwing down some ridiculous, like, <laughs> gets in transition, like, throws it off the backboard and throws down, like, a windmill. Down. Like, those have been a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so those would certainly stick out from the game perspective. I guess, honestly, last year, Jeff Graves hitting a game winner, like, uh, yeah, I think that's the first game winner I've been on the call of, of this event. We've had some close games, so that would go up there. And then, uh, you know, th- there's some that, are, that predate me that uh, we talked to Brian. He talked about the Bud Stallworth free throw one to win it. There was yeah. one where yeah. um, I think it was a tie game. This was the early 2010s, and they ran the chop play for Mario Chalmers to try to reenact the national title. <laughs> he missed it, though. Oh. And Steven Vinson, his teammate, who was a former walk-on, grabbed the rebound, tipped it in, and they won the game on the buzzer beater. So that, that's a great all-time <laughs> moment there. Uh, but honestly, the, the moments that stick with you the most are the non-basketball things. It's, sure, yeah. You know, it's, it's seeing the, the smile on the face of, of any of the children, the recipients, seeing uh, some of the, you know, if they come on the floor and, and they come on the court and they're taking pictures and they have players coming up to them and, and giving them a handshake, giving them a hug or, you know, bringing them up to the basket and letting them dunk the basketball or something. It's, yep. and um, I'm sure lots of people have memories from the other yeah. events, you know, going to the dinner yep. or uh, the, the bowling, which they, that they've started doing recently. So there's, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily just about the basketball, right? It's about uh, the support yep. and everything else like that. And, and bringing some joy to the yeah. lives of some of these people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, too. It's, it's seeing the, whether it's a charity auction or... Yeah, which um, you were in one of the auctions, right, last year? No, I, I, I wasn't in an auction. The, oh. the auctions get pretty crazy, man. They, they're like, uh, the, last year they had a, a, I forget what it was, it was like a, 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 a some chair that had to do with Wilt Chamberlain. I don't remember if it was like a chair that he had or if like it was like a chair like that a, he would use in all the games. Chair. Yeah, something like that. Something <laughs> like that. And I think it went for like $20,000 wow. short of that. Um, so that, that stuff gets pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's seen like, like you'll see this tonight. Sometimes Brian will go out there and there might be raffles or there might be something where they're asking for people to donate to help them with this or that. And seeing just the people of the Lawrence community or, or wherever they're from in the nearby area step up and be like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I, w- I will sacrifice this and, you know, make some of these great financial contributions for the cause here. It's yeah. just seen the, the impact that community can have on families. It's seen the, um, impact and the love that the Lawrence community, that the Douglas County community, all that sort of stuff has for people that maybe they don't even know that gives you just kind of this encouraging, uplifting view um, on, on a world where, you know, every day there's, there's crazy bad news and it'll inundate you. It'll depress you, but you come to an event like this and it, it, it's impossible not to, to yeah, leave. With it definitely, smile on your it face. definitely inspires. You. Yeah, yeah. And days like today, it's, it's the ultimate, um, Jimmy Valvano quote. It's the, you know, if you, you laugh, you cry, you, yeah. whatever, smile, um, you know, it's a good day. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good things and excited to make some more memories tonight. This one from Drew. If Kevin, I would assume this is Kevin McCuller, if Kevin scores 15 points. You don't think points, it's uh, other Kevin? Is there another Kevin? Well, anyway, there's tons of Kevins. It, well, okay. Uh, if Kevin scores 15, Ke- it could be Kevin Durant, I guess. What yeah. if my name was Kevin? Is it me? But it's not. It could be Kevin Durant. You see, it's a Phoenix Suns question. Is this a burner account from oh, Scott? Oh, true, um, from Scott Chase. <laughs> if Kevin scores 15 points per game on 35% from three with his defense and rebounding, would he be an All-American? Short answer, 
Yes. I don't think he'd be a first team. You don't think so? No, first team, man. Those guys are usually, if you're first team, you're averaging like 20. What, okay, but what if he's like, what if he's averaging like 15 and 9? If he, okay, if he averages 15 and 9 and like three assists per game and two steals. 35% from three. And he wins Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. And he yep. 35 he's got to be on 50%. it, right? Okay, sure, at that point. But the problem then, is, like, with Hunter Dickinson, I don't know how he can average 15 and 9. No, yeah, that makes it pretty uh, I mean, impossible. What's the max number of rebounds he could average per game with Hunter Dickinson? I mean, I guess Seven, what if those eight? two just were the only ones that got rebounds, you know? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, what about, so this is one that's interesting. Mikhail Bridges uh, for that Villanova team that was really good. He averaged okay. about 18 points, five and a half rebounds, two assists, steal and a half, over a block per game. Shot 51% from the floor, 44% from three on six attempts per game. Wow. He was not a first-team All-American. I don't even know if he was a second-team All-American, to be honest. That's Actually, insane. I don't even think he was third-team. Which That's insane. No, he had to have been, man. That's um, insane. Okay, yeah. Now I'm starting to back. Now I'm starting to walk it back a little bit because it's just but tough. Like, you think okay, about the guys that. But what if KU goes like 17 and one in conference, wins the Big 12 title by four games? Okay, I think we would be pledging him as like, yeah, he's clearly one of the top players in the country. Um, and for what it's worth, yeah, Mikhail Bridges received some third team votes. So he was third team on the AP NABC. That's insane. So he was third team. So I think that's what would happen. Kevin would be like third team, but we would okay. be like, no, but he has a top. <laughs> player. It's kind of like the year that you had Dotson and Doke. Yeah. Neither one was first team All American. They both got second team All American, and I think part of that was because there were certain players like, that was like, I want to put one of the Kansas players on there to represent their great season. But some people were like, I'm putting Dotson on there. Some yeah. people were like, I'm putting Doke on there, and it kind of hurt your own votes from that standpoint. Yeah. Okay, I'm walking it back. I don't think he would be. He would have to do more than that. Yeah. Uh, this one. It, it's such a points award, too. Honestly. Yeah, it's uh, so stupid. Yeah, it really like. The guy, uh, one of the guys who made first team All American the year that Dokin Dotson was the, uh, what was the name of Seton Hall guard who was just like a chucker, <laughs> averaged like twenty <laughs> points per game. Uh, anyway, uh, this last one from Todd: If Daniel Highshaw plays all twelve games, what do his stats look like? Mm, that's interesting. I mean, uh, if you extrapolate out what he had already done up to the point that he got hurt, at that point, I mean, he's certainly over a thousand yards, right? If you extrapolate out what he already started last season, so. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's too high of a bar to set for him, though. Considering he, okay, like I'm not, a, I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna, it might sound a little weird, but I, this is not, I'm trying to think of a way to say it, where it's like we haven't really seen him do it yet, right? Does that make sense? Don't know but, like, how. We have, like we have seen him do it, but we haven't seen him do it. Well, it's it's a bad injury, and it's not like <laughs> like. I don't want to downplay ACLs. Some guys never come back from ACLs. But at least we've seen enough stories to be like, you can come back from an ACL injury. I can't think of another guy suffering a like dislocated hip or whatever he did, right? Like, yeah. Well, we don't I mean, know it's, how it's a rare, in, it's a rare injury, that. too. Yeah, especially for a guy who's a physical runner. Yeah. Um, to so, your point, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not... I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, I'm not a I'm not a doctor at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I barely passed Wait, my what? seventh grade anatomy. I so. hired you expecting you to be a doctor. Oh, no, dude. Um, so he averaged 52 rushing yards per game last year. That means over a 12-game season, but also that's taken into account he was hurt for the last, whatever, two quarters of that last game. So let's say 60 yeah. yards a game. So uh, he gets close to 1,000? That gives you 720, something like that. Okay, not that close. Um, Dude, I suck at math. <laughs> but okay, anyways, I, I think if he's healthy, I, so I would take the under on that just from everything you've been kind of saying. So I think okay. if you tell me he stays healthy for all 12 games, I'll say between 500 and 600 rushing yards. I'll say another 200 receiving yards, something like that, maybe 100, 200, uh, somewhere in that range. And uh, I think he would have a lot of touchdowns. I think that would be the big one. Like, I could see him having 12 touchdowns, you know, 12, 14 touchdowns. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, it, it, his impact, it felt like it was a lot higher, right. obviously, when he to start the year. But, you know, what, what if Devin Neal is a first-team All-Big 12 caliber player? Yeah. Then suddenly you have to make sure you get him, you get him the ball 15, 20 times a game minimum, right? Sure. So that means that there may not be, you know, depending on how efficient or how effective Daniel Highshaw is, at the end of the day, he maybe just won't get the number of touches in order to, you know, get it to that amount, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, just to tie off the segment, Miles Powell was the name of the guard for Seton Hall. He was first-team okay. All-American over Dot and Doak that year in 2020. He averaged 21 points per game. Okay, good. Four and a half rebounds, solid. Three assists, okay. 1.2 steals per game, okay. He shot 39.8% from the field. He bad. shot 30.6% from three. Wow. Was he just shooting 10 threes a game? He was shooting nine threes a game. Jeez, uh, in 31 minutes per game, so launching up a three of three <laughs> minutes. He uh, shot under 80%. How many minutes per game would he have played under Bill Self? Um, Remy Martin role. He wouldn't have come up with that. I don't know. <laughs> no, so yeah, it's, it, it becomes a point thing. Anyway, that was back to the other question. All right, okay. that is our uh, KU mailbag. We're going to take a break here. More Rock Chalk Sports Talk after this timeout on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We are live at Free State High School as we get ready for the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. It'll happen at 7. Doors are going to open here at 5.30 in about half an hour from right now. And there are still tickets available. Still you can tickets. come up and buy them right now at the, or I guess in third, I think take dates or doors open at 5.30 so yep. you can come on, buy them at the door. You know what, I'll say this. A great if you really night. want tickets, just come right now, knock on the door. I'm sure they would let you. Yes, I'm sure they would let you. Yeah, if you show up right now, I'm sure they would let you in. But, yeah, still tickets available for a really, really awesome experience and a great cause as well. So if you're looking for something to do tonight, come out and support, and you can even say hi to us. We're going to be here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We're here Nick, right now. Nick said he'll give you a kiss or a hug. I will give you a hug, yes. Okay. I will hug anybody that comes up and says they're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. There we go. If you come up to us and say, I'm listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk, I'll hug you. Give okay. you a hug. Yes. Love it. Uh, so you can come by, again, 200 tickets still available at the door. Please come to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. That means if, you know, $15 a ticket, that is, what, like $3,000? That could go to Halloween, yeah. save a kid's life. Yes, exactly. So please, please come to the game. It's a lot of fun. You can get autographs, pictures with the players. They put on an absolute show. It's a great cause, great event each and every year. So please come out. Please buy those tickets. Like I said, still 200 available. So come on. All right, we have uh, Sam Speck in the KLWN studio now, along with Cole Cedabutar and uh, Richie uh, bowed out of this thing. I think he was afraid after eating all the Carolina Reapers last year, which means we have our points draft, and there are 21 regulars, there are 7 wild cards. There will be 3 undrafted people. Um, I said earlier in the show, everybody has one last chance to submit a punishment idea. We will have the list of punishments. Whoever finishes first picks the punishment for whoever finishes fourth. Second and third, you're safe. If you you not only finish fourth, but also finish behind the undrafted team, you have to do two punishments picked by first. See, I just I, the more I think about it, I think that's just not fair. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's fair. <laughs> well, I don't care. I've, I've thought about it, and I've decided it's unfair. Well, your vote is worthless to me in this conversation. Wow. So, wow, uh, this is an autocracy. This is a... Um, Whatever the word I'm looking for. Oligarchy? Uh, yeah. Uh, dictatorship. Uh, dictatorship. There we go. Thank you, Cole. Uh, we good with words. Else. Okay. Okay. Um, nice. So we, we uh, randomized the draft order earlier today. It is going to go Sam first, Cole second, Nick 
third, and then I will go fourth, and then it'll snake back around the other way. But uh, first things first, uh, I guess, Nick, what would you like to submit for the punishment ideas? Oh, um, I don't know. We talked about my original idea, but I think maybe it's not that good anymore. Okay. So what are the options? Well, no, we, we have a list right now. Oh, it's oh, just, oh, would you like to oh, add anything oh, to the list? Um, yeah. Here, here, I'll start here. Here's what we have on the punishment I'm not going to add anything, I don't think. Eat a habanero or spicy thing on air. Tweet out everything you eat for a week. Live tweet every single pitch of a Royals game. Haircut with I lost on the side of a head. Can't change it for a minimum of a week. Stand with a sign on Mass Street for two hours that said I lost. Listen to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Live tweet a sporting event of the winner's choice. No Cheez-Its for two weeks. <laughs> um, and then I change it to the 369. You have to Okay, run. yeah. So three miles, six donuts, nine beers. Or whatever order you want to well, do I think it. we said laps. Oh yeah, yeah laps. So, so you okay, do yeah. laps so you on do the track. Laps on the track. So you could do you could do six laps on the track, three beers, nine donuts. You right. could do nine laps three on donuts, the track. nine beers, six laps, nine laps, and six beers, three donuts. Have to do you have like 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 to do it all? Yeah. Oh man. Right? Because I mean, well, is that <laughs> is that enough? I mean, you could you could theoretically walk if you if you did three for the could laps. You, okay. Could you do them at the same time? Okay, wait. Like, yeah, could I, I think walk so. the I think track so. yes. while eating yes. the donuts? Okay, think about this. Drinking the but beers. I don't think you'll be legally allowed to because all the tracks here, I think, are high school tracks. So I don't think you can drink a beer on a, oh. on a high school track. That would not go well. <laughs> so what you could do is that you could, you could hypothetically walk the three laps. You could walk three laps in 15 minutes. That's probably no. even. You could do it faster than that, right? Oh yeah, I guess three. How many? How many laps is a mile? That's three four quarters of a mile. Yeah, four okay, laps yeah. is a mile. So okay, you can yeah. walk, so you can walk it in, in twelve to fifteen minutes. Yeah, and that gives you forty-five minutes to eat or drink six beers and or, or sodas. We can do sodas too if you don't drink. Okay, um, and then you could eat nine donuts. So fine. So three, six, nine, and an hour. Okay, but what about the logistical aspect of it? What is? Because like you just said, you can't drink a beer on the like at this track or whatever. So you'd have to do the laps, and then you'd have to yeah. go somewhere else. Sure. So that's, that's part of the difficulty. Does that? Do you just only count the time spent doing the activity, or, or does the uh, well, travel time count? We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay, so what would you like to add anything? Um, I'm good. I'm good with those. You're good? I'm good with those. Okay, Sam, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I'll add one more additional thing. I think I'm going to have to go with you'll have to eat Taco Bell breakfast, lunch, and dinner for seven days straight. Oh, my. So you'll just don't Taco lose Taco Bell for, don't lose for seven straight Days. Wait, what? Yes. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's what if that's I don't want to eat breakfast that day? <laughs> well, it looks like you're having Taco Bell for lunch, dude. Okay. Hey, see, no, this, dude, is what happened. To, this is what happens when Nick dude, I have to, to get in the toilet when I was done. It, yeah, my exactly. wife would be so mad at me. She doesn't even like Taco Bell, and here I would be having to. She'd be like, "Oh, I made this for dinner," and Bro, I'm like, "Sorry." I, I feel like just Sam has it out for bathrooms. Why does he? Why does he hate <laughs> bathrooms? He just wants to abuse bathrooms. I know this is me getting back at you because you said it was like I, I first suggested no cheeses and no goldfish, and you were like, "Oh, no problem." So here it is. This is uh, okay. this is my anti up. No, that's fine. That's no, fine. That's okay. Fine. No, that's, I do like no, that one. That is it's a, not bad. a funny one. It's not bad. It is a it's funny one. Um, okay, Cole, would you like to add anything? All right, I already pitched this right, one, but this sumo one. tournaments are like sumo six like hours six long on a day. On They're, a day. All They're all in Japanese, and about 10% of it is the actual act of like two dudes pushing each other in a ring. Trying to make someone live tweet that would be the funniest thing I can do. That'll almost assuredly be the punishment. 
then why, if it takes six hours, but they only spend ten seconds, what do they do with the rest of the time? Um, so sumo <laughs> is like half sport, half Japanese religious ritual. So the other half of it, or you know, more like seventy percent of it, is dudes tossing salt to purify the ring from spirits. It's dudes drinking wa- magical water that gives them strength and wiping their mouth with rice paper uh, in order to like cleanse their soul or whatever. Action of everything. Yeah, I need, yeah, I need Dude, play by play. Sick. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll just we'll just leave it up as live tweet sport event of winner's choice and then if Who you would win, win you know between what, us what i guess you would win yeah if we oh derek would 100 win. Win. i would dominate you you don't yeah. think i could win no no chance you're too skinny. really you're too skinny dude imagine um, i just get out of the way and you fall out and then i win i don't <laughs> i don't think it works that way it's not like a cartoon where you can just like matador me away <laughs> maybe i should make you guys like do a sumo match per hour. <laughs> you know what i'm That's okay with that live stream it Get some donations involved. Maybe the proceeds go to the round ball. I can see it now, dude. The Rocky training video for me preparing. <laughs> I would win. A little montage in there. Yeah, all right. Uh, so then we have all our punishments in there, so that's good. I don't have anything else that, that I want to um, possibly add to it. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Um, okay. So we have the regulars and the wild cards. I've given everybody a sheet of paper that has who's who and what. You will take five regulars, one wild card. You can take the wild card whenever you want. You can take the last round. You can take it at the beginning of the round, whatever. I have also assisted people with uh, uh, different stats and stuff like that. Um, so uh, with that being said, it will be a serpentine draft, which basically means that Sam will go first, and then he'll have the last pick in the second round and then first pick in the third round. So it'll, it'll kind of alternate between the two, which uh, means that, you know, um, I don't know, it just adds some draft strategy to it. So, Sam, you are on the clock. You have the first pick. Who would you like to take? All right. Well, I got to right. stick well, with my gut here. My gut. Um, it was his first year last year, I believe. Year year, I'm, I'm one of the leading scorers as well. But I'm going to go with Devon Dotson. He definitely Von led my Dotson. team last year. Kept me out of that last place spot as well. Not only that, but Derek, I think if you can you remember, he played hard at last. Well, and credit all the players actually do. But I'll tell you what, Devon took it seriously. So I'm going to I'm going to go with Dotson for my first round pick. Yeah, Dotson scored 23 points last year in his debut. It's an interesting and yeah, first-round pick. They got down, I think, at one point 26 points. He just started trying to will them to win. He, <laughs> It was kind of funny because he's known for being a, a very um, hard competitor, I guess would be the way of putting it. Uh, he was, like, not happy on the sideline when they were down that much. And uh, he, he helped them come back and have that crazy comeback. Cole, you're up uh, second. Who do you want? I first would like to thank Sam for being such a putz and picking Devon Dotson uh, with the first overall pick because that means that I get to pick Ben McLemore with the second pick. He is by far the best scorer in the history of the round ball classic, so I'm excited to pick him up with the second pick. Yep, yeah, according to uh, Derek, on a, his unofficial scoring, he is the leading scorer yeah. all time. And had a 52-point game in 2018. That's insane. And he was playing yesterday in the scrimmage. Dude, I don't think I've scored 52 points in my life. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was playing yesterday in the scrimmage with the KU basketball players, and I think he, he had like 23 points or something. So wow. he, he's in the rhythm right now. He, uh, that's, that's a good one to you take. You think he'd come back to KU? Uh, I mean, I guess he has three years left of eligibility, yeah. right? Yeah, come on down. Arthur Kaluma, step aside. Yeah. Ben McLemore, come in. on down. Uh, you were up third. Okay, well, this is a a tricky decision here, but I think with my pick, I'm going to go with uh, Wayne Selden. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick. I, I thought there was a very clear top three. I thought it was 
Macklemore, Dotson, and Selden in some order that you want to put it there. So I do not love having to pick fourth here. But yeah, Selden has been a constant, you know, around 20. I am nervous guy. with Selden being on Macklemore's team, though, because what if mm. Macklemore just shines and wow. Selden doesn't get a chance Takes to really. Takes all the shots yeah. away from him. So I'm a little nervous about that one. Okay. So I have back to back picks here, which this is tough. Um, there's really three guys I'm looking at here for two picks. I, I'm tempted to take Svee. He could just go off for three. He had 17 last year, but we also saw him score eight the year before that, and he was just kind of messing around, taking like half-court threes, and it didn't lead to a lot of points. So that scares me a little bit. I'm going to go with Keith Langford with my first pick. So I'm a little scared because Keith has been retired from basketball, and he last time we saw him was 2019. He scored 10 points, so he didn't really care that much. year before, though, he scored 32, and in 2012 he scored 47. And I think, so Keith is going to be, even though he retired from basketball, he's coming out of retirement to play not the TBT. to play this, but to yes. play in the TBT. So he's going to be looking, this, looking at this as a tune-up A little bit of a warm-up yeah. opportunity. So he might be trying to show off a little bit of what he's still got in the tank. Right. So we're going to go with Keith with that first pick. And then, oh man, do I go speed? Do I go Brandon Rush, who we haven't seen since 2019? And... I don't know that he's been playing professional basketball. I am going to go Svee. I'll go with the young legs. When in doubt, go with the younger player because you feel like they're going to play a little bit more. So Svee okay. and Kai Luke with uh, okay. pick number two. So I'm on the clock now? Yes, you are. <laughs> All right. So I, I want to make sure that I don't get too many players from one team. So I got Wayne Selden, who's on the blue team. I was tempted by, like, a Silvio De Sosa, Jeff Gray. I feel like a big man has a chance to score a lot of points. So I was tempted by one of those guys. But then you brought up big Brandon dope. Rush. You don't know how much Joke is going to play necessarily. I think if he plays he, a lot, he's he'll recovering score from a lot. an injury, right? Is he? I don't know. Oh, I thought he was. I thought that was one of the reasons why he wasn't going to play as much. Uh, maybe not. That might not be the case. Uh, so you know, Doke. But then on the red team or on the crimson team, I, 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 a guy that I'm intrigued by, but I don't. I think it might be too much of a reach to take him this early. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say who it is. Okay. Uh, but uh, I will go with. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Brandon Rush. Okay. Take Brandon Rush. Okay. Be Rush. Um, that brings you up, Cole. All right. I All right. am I going am to. Going to I have, I'm, I'm kind of struggling have, I'm, here I'm kind of struggling between, uh, between uh, two players. Uh, I'm two struggling, players. Between struggling between Tyrell Reed, Tyrell Reed and Tyshawn Taylor. And Tyshawn I think they're both think very they're consistent both very when consistent they've played in the round ball classic before. But I think I will have to go uh, Tyrell Reed here. I believe his recent performances have been a little bit better than Tyshawn Taylor's. So I will go with Tyrell Reed. Okay, well then clearly Tyrell Reed would not have been a reach because that was the guy that I was thinking about picking, but I didn't know if he was going to go this quick. We had Cole Aldridge on last Friday, and he talked about how he thought Tyrell was was the sleeper pick that I know. I didn't think he was going to go this early. Keep in mind, Cole is like best friends with Tyrell, so that could just be hyping up your boy. True. But Tyrell has done well in this event, and he's a good three-point shooter. Uh, I like that pick from from, uh, Mr. Cedabutar. I think that's Uh, a good pick. Sam, you have back-to-back picks, by the way. Uh, Okay, so back-to-back picks. Um, I'm going to go with the one that you were kind of debating on. I think Taylor's a good pick there, so I'm going to go with Tyshawn for my my, uh, now second round and third round pick. Third Let round me, pick. man, I think, I think I'm kind of torn, but I'm going to go with DeSouza uh, for my, my third round pick there. So I'm going to go with Taylor and Silvio as well. I was really hoping I was going to get Silvio this round. I, feel I was going like to take Silvio next He has day. something to, to prove, you know, yep. finished his collegiate career at Chattanooga. He wants to come he in. Wants to come back. Wants and, to be remembered by the yeah. KU fans. He's an athletic big. He's got fresh legs. He's going to probably be in there a little bit longer than, I don't know, maybe one of the older big men. So I, I love that pick for Sam in the third. 
And, yeah. uh, I was gonna, I was planning to pick him with my next pick. Well, All right. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have even fallen to you anyways. So that sucks for you, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think All right, I'm I going think to take – Elijah Johnson Elijah here. Johnson Elijah Johnson here. in the last Johnson five last years of the Round Ball Classic has put up double digits, digits every single time. So I, I feel very comfortable with uh, with picking him up here. Well, you, Nick. Mm, okay. This is this is where things get a little bit uh, tougher. All right. I wonder, Derek, I'll ask you this. How do you feel about uh, – I wonder if Mitch Lightfoot might have a little extra chip on his shoulder, right? I mean, he Possibly. got traded. I mean, <laughs> does he take point. that as some disrespect? <laughs> he, the dude got traded. Sure. I mean, what if he's like, you know what, this team just traded me. Yeah. I'm going to go out and try to well, show okay. him why they should not have this done This has been my biggest debate with trying to figure out where to take Mitch Lightfoot. What do, what do we think about when we think of his game? Hook shots. Like, yeah. You know what does not happen in this game? <laughs> Hook shots. So, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh boy. Okay, I think I think I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm also intrigued by Connor Tehan. Yeah, shooting threes. Which Tehan do you think is better? Well, Connor, Connor had the better was, KU career. Better, but Chris is younger. Yeah. So does that play in? I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna take Connor Tehan. Okay, Connor Tehan, it is. All right, so I have back-to-back picks. I'm gonna go with two big men because he, here's my theory. There are only there. There are a lot less big men than there are guards. Correct? This year, yes, yes. So, like on the Crimson team, what you have uh, Mitch Lightfoot, and that's basically it. Mitch Lightfoot, I guess. Brandon McAnderson is kind of a powerful. Oh, Darnell Jackson. Darnell. Jackson. Oh, Darnell Jackson. So yeah. you have two big men basically on the blue team. You have Jeff Graves, Doke, uh, and Sosa, Sylvia. and I think that's kind of yeah. it. So I'm going to just assume that one of the big men goes up. I don't know which one. So I'm going to double down on big men here. Okay. I'm going to go Yudoka Azubuke okay. with the first pick. Yes, I am worried about how much is he going to play. I have no I idea. I, I was, you could convince me he's one of those I guys that scores two points. I was maybe going to take him with my previous pick, but right. then I decided against it. I have no idea. And then with the other pick, I am going with Mitch Lightfoot. Okay. Uh, the one thing I'll be curious about with me, again, I am worried about the – this isn't a hook shot event. This isn't a post-up <laughs> game event, right? So that does scare me. I will say – we did see it a little bit. I think for his career, he was like 12 of 40 from three at Kansas okay. in actual games, which is like 32%. That's not bad. But in an event like this, it's a high school three-point line, and he has a little more, you know, rain than Bill Self. Oh, yeah. Him no, he, I, didn't, I hadn't right? considered the fact that it's a high school three-point line. He might hit a couple threes. Yeah, I hadn't considered the fact that it's a high school three-point line. Okay, so I'm going to go Mitch Lightfoot. You were up again. Man, what if I just... You know what? I'm just going to double down on the T-hand, brothers. Mm, that was going to be my next give me, pick. Give next me Chris. Round, so, yeah. Give I, me Chris. Chris was my sleeper for this event. He's a really good three-point shooter. He's got young legs. He's going to want to try. What that's, if they both get at the same time? They want to show each other up. They, they both keep scoring, and I'm just like, this is great for me no matter who, which, <laughs> yep. which T-hand scores. All right, Cole, you're up again. Uh, Hold on. Um, hold on I um, missed something, I missed something Derek. You picked – like Lightfoot and Doke is your picks? Yes, correct. Okay, and great, then, great, great, uh, great. Nick took the T-Hand brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard him take I, I the T-Hand brothers. I just missed uh, who the other big man that you took was. I think I'm going to take Jeff Graves here. Um, he's got a fairly high floor, I think. Um, he performed really, really well last year, but even in the years where he didn't perform really well, he was still putting up like eight, nine points a lot of the time, and I think I'm okay with that. The concern with Jeff Graves, he's 41. 
But he, it didn't stop him last year. He, he, what did he put up, like 17 points? He had the game winner, 17 points. But that's been the thing with Jeff Graves. It's been inconsistencies. Mm. He had 19 in 2013, then 8 in 2016, then just 2 in 2017. He went scoreless in 2019, but then 17 last year. He yeah. is the ultimate, like, boomer bust candidate, I feel like. But back to the conversation about... There's only a limited amount of big men. Yeah, he's he on could the same end up team. playing quite a bit more. Right, if Doak doesn't play that much, which is a distinct possibility. It's just him and Silvio. Right, so I, I think that's right. He's slated when he for at least a decent floor. amount of minutes. Yeah, so Sam, you're up back-to-back. All right, so my I've got to take a wild card, right? I'm gonna, yeah, we all do. Yeah, I'm going to go with point. Kylie uh, for my wild okay, card pick there. that is the first there. wild card taken. She Kylie was awesome Kopetich. last year. Hit a couple threes from the outside. Had is she the all-time three-point leader for KU? For KU women's basketball? She might be. I, I don't think know. think she maybe is. Really good three-point shooter. I mean, she hit two, but there were like... They kept setting her up. They, they at one point, I think she might have taken like three or four straight threes last year. So they're going to try to get her shots. She's a good shooter. I, I think that's a good pick for uh, Sam. And then uh, you pick again. Uh, the last, uh, one, last he, one, certainly he's familiar with the gymnasium. And he, again, a guy that puts a lot of effort into it. it won't be there next year. But I'm going to go with uh, Sharon Collins for my final pick. Yep. So Sharon. Okay. There we the go. There. And uh, Sharon will get up shots. That's a good way of putting yes. it. Yes. Um, okay, Cole, you were up again. Dang it. I was really hoping that Sharon would still be around, uh, that I could use my last pick on Sharon Collins. I think I will take another sort of high floor candidate. Give me kids from the stands as the wild card. Uh, kids from the stands guaranteed like six-ish points, I believe, is sort of uh, how the kids from the stands tend to do. So give me kids from stands. Yeah, that's, that's a great pick because what's going to happen, the kid comes out, and then you get one of the big men holding him up, and they let him dunk it, and then they one of the players will, like, joke around and swat him, and then they'll give him the ball back, and then they'll let him make another layup. Like, it's guaranteed to get you a couple buckets, which is so crucial for the uh, wild card picks. Kylie and, and kids from the stands, those are my number one and number two on my power rankings for the wild cards. Okay, so how many picks do I have left? So two? You, you have two picks left. One of them has to be a wild card. One of them has to be a – I guess you could go two wild cards if you okay. really wanted to. So I have two picks left. Yeah. All right. So uh, the the candidates I'm looking at here, I got Travis Belliford on the Crimson team. I got Russell Robinson on the blue team. But my concern with Russell Robinson is what if he just tries to be the assist man? What if he just tries to, you know, pass everybody some dimes and isn't looking to score at all? Yeah. So, I mean, Russ Robb had a 21 point game in 2012. He did not play. He was he was on the roster, but he didn't play in 2021. He didn't score in 2019. So it's like. I know. I'm, I'm I concerned know. he might just try to be a facilitator. But then again, we've seen guys, like, I think Jeff Graves is a perfect example where it's like he hasn't scored for a few years, and then one year he was like, no, you know what, screw this. I'm uh, This is my game. I'm also tempted by Darnell Jackson, okay. I think, because uh, he's the only other big man on the on the Crimson roster, really. So what if he is able to, you know, get, get up some dunks and stuff? In fact, I've talked myself into it. I'm going to pick Darnell Jackson. That was going to be my next pick, so I am not happy about that. Okay. Um, Okay, so now then I am going to go. I, I have two picks here, so it doesn't really matter what order I go in. Um, the the non-wild card I'm going to take is Travis Relliford. Okay. Um, I was thinking about Travis Relliford. There are fun stories about Travis Relliford in high school at Bishop Miege because his brother was on the team, brother really good too. I think he went to Alabama. Um, that basically what would happen is that like one of the two of the brothers, like they had a really good team obviously, uh, would steal the ball, and the other one would just cherry pick down the court, and it was like auto layup like every time. <laughs> Um, that's perfect for a game like this, where it's just like, just cherry pick. Cherry pick, <laughs> get as many free buckets as you possibly can. Now, I, I don't know, I don't think he's been announced to playing for the TBT team, but I feel like he's going to be a logical person who I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing for the uh, the TBT team. Um, he's, I, I think, 
either he just was playing overseas or he just finished up playing or something. So, like, he should be uh, in a little bit of game shape there. Three-minute stations. He's had some past performances in games where, you know, he's he's been at least like a high-floor kind of player. Uh, last time he played, he scored five. Time before that, 11. So I feel like I can at least get a, a, a few points chipped in here or there from Travis Relliford. So I, I will take uh, Travis Relliford there. And then I have one more pick, which has to be my wild card selection. Okay. I think there's an obvious pick you have to make just based on our discussions. Well, okay, see, I, are you talking about Jerry Pyle? Yes, you have to pick him. I don't think I can, man. Why not? I, because we don't know anything about him. That, um, that, that could be great. It could be. Uh, I could take Trent, Trent Green, but I don't know much about that. BMAC is usually good for he might score two. I want somebody with higher ceiling than that. Akeem Tlaib, I could see scoring like four six points, but he's yeah. only going to play the first half. Mm. So I, I don't want to take him. Yeah. I kind of want to go with Natalie Knight-Johnson. And I think that she is playing on the same team as Elijah Johnson, correct? Or yes, they they're on the same team. Okay, that this, makes is the first year on, this is the first year they're on the same team. That makes team. me feel even better. Elijah is the husband of Natalie Knight-Johnson. So you think she's, he's going to try to get her the ball? Yes, correct, and hit some three. So I'm going Natalie Knight-Johnson with my uh, wild card. Dude, pick. I can't believe you didn't pick Jared Pyle. Okay, well, I thought you, it was an obvious right pick. But no, I'm not. No. Oh, no, come on. My pick. No, you, can, you no, cannot no, talk no, about no, Jared no, Pyle no, and all this and then not You don't understand. Oh. You were the one that was. You were the one that was like, "Oh, I don't know who Jared Pyle is." I told you who he was. You, did, you didn't no. even want to pick. No, you you off air. So you're going through the <laughs> rosters, and I'm I'm coming across, and I'm like, "Okay, this guy, this guy, this guy." And I was like, "Oh, I don't know who Jared Pyle is." And you're like, "You don't know who Jared Pyle is?" And I, I'm like, "No, like I don't know who that is." And you're, I'm like, "Who is it?" And you're like, "Oh, I can't believe you don't know him." You know, KU legend. <laughs> and then we come to find, and then literally like two minutes later, we got Brian Haney in studio, and he talks about how Jared Pyle won an auction to play in this game. And I gave you the, I give you a look like you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I, okay. So no, I, go, I think you should be forced no, 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 to take no, 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 no. As as a, a, I listen. I have been a Chiefs fan through and through my entire life. I'm picking Trent Green. Okay, I got to have Trent Green on my team. Okay. All right, Cole. You have uh, both you and Sam will finish things up. You can take a wild card. You can take a non wild card. You're just open for whatever. So uh, who do you want, Cole? Well, I considered picking Trent Green just so I could make fun of him in the lead-up to it. But because I can't do that anymore, I will just make fun of Nick for picking Trent Green. Trent Green has almost thrown more interceptions than he has touchdowns in his career. That's insane. He played on one of the greatest offenses of all time in the greatest show on turf before he got replaced by Kurt Warner. And he still... uh, frequently had more interceptions than touchdowns. I can't believe you would ever uh, rely on that. His outlet passes will get intercepted by Aqib Tlaib, I can uh, assure you that. Uh, this I, is just mean. What a rant. I had to watch him when Bring I was a child. I had negativity. to suffer. I had to watch a Hall of Fame offensive line. Jeez. I had to watch uh, Priest Holmes just get it, it, the team just lose because Trent Green couldn't Guys, throw Guys, I might leave the studio. He's heating up. <laughs> Dude, Trent Green's elite. I now would like to no, retell the Brian Haney, Trent Green story. Um, yeah, of how great of a guy he is. How great of a guy he is, and Cole just, like, absolutely just. pooping on him, how he, like, helps out this this person who had to go through, like, a surgery. And yeah, it was a heart transplant. Brian, yeah, yeah, Brian asked him to, you know, call him for a few minutes because he was his favorite player, and he ended up showing up at the hospital and spent, like, all day with him. There's an absolutely great guy now participating, and Cole's just pooping all <laughs> over him and setting him a pick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm picking Jeff Hawkins. about to expire. I'm picking Jeff Hawkins. about to expire. Okay, Jeff Hawkins. <laughs> Jeff Hawkins, who Bill like, Self, I think a year ago, called one of his greatest on-ball defenders of all time. Maybe yeah. we could get some steals and some easy buckets. Sam, who do you want to close the draft out with? Uh, do we get six picks? We get six picks? 
Yeah, you get one more. Okay, one more. I'm going to have to do it just out. I know he's only playing one half, but I'm a Denver fan. Always have been. Love to keep Tlaib, so I'm going to have to go with it. I, 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 see, I see him getting maybe two or four in the first half while he's there, but uh, I'm going to pick Tlaib for my final. Okay. Well, uh, that's the team. Sam has Devon Dotson, Tyshawn Taylor, Silvio DeSosa, Kylie Kopadich, Sharon Collins, and Aqib Tlaib. Cole has Ben McElmore, Tyrell Reed, Elijah Johnson, Jeff Graves, Kids from the Stands, and Jeff Hawkins. Nick has Wayne Selden, Brandon Rush, Connor Tehan, Chris Tehan, Darnell Jackson, and Trent Green. I have Keith Langford, Svi Mikhailuk, Udoka Azabuke, Mitch Lightfoot, Travis Relaford, and Natalie Knight-Johnson. Who does that leave us for the undrafted team here? We got Jared Pyle. As part of the undrafted team, right? Um, we got Brandon McAnderson. Yeah, Michael Lee. And I think that's it, right? Russell Robinson I don't think got picked, did he? Russell Robinson. Nobody drafted Russell okay. Robinson either. Nobody drafted Russell Robinson. So they got they got four players on their team. And we'll see how that goes. So, uh, guys, thank you for doing this points draft. Cole, we'll let you get out of there. I think Sam's going to take over from the producing side of things. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We have the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic. They've started to open up the doors. Still 200 tickets available at the front. So come on out, get your ticket, come to one of the best events that happens every year here at Free State High School. We'll be back after this time out on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Six o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We got about an hour to go before we get to the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Sam Speck back in studio. Six o'clock hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds weird, right? No, no, it does. Foreign foreign territory. (laughs) Um, That's for sure. Uh, So, yeah, we'll have the game at 7 o'clock, and uh, we're looking forward to bringing you the action. Uh, You still get tickets. Yeah, you can. Come to the front. Come to the front. Grab your tickets. $15 a pop. It is uh, an absolute steal of a deal with the great entertainment that you're going to have uh, with all the players here, past players, and um, just a really good time all around. Heartwarming for a very, very good cause. Again, Nolan Anderson, a five-year-old from Topeka. Raven Hayes, a one-year-old from Topeka. Ismail Vargas, a four-year-old from Dodge City. Lily Bolton, an 11-year-old from Topeka. Hunter Brown, a six-year-old from Scranton, Kansas. And Hayden Ballou, a 13-year-old from Carlton, Kansas. It is the families of... Those players who are, or not players, but uh, I guess the families of those children who are the recipients um, for this event. So, uh, highly recommend coming out again. Just fifteen dollars a ticket at the doors. You can get them here at Free State High School. There's even a buy one get one free like pizza thing on uh, the back. And uh, hey, look at that! We got a RCST trivia contestant walking in. Um, oh, nice! That's Eric Hansy, right? No, that is not Eric. Hansy. Wait, wait, wait! Which guy? I kind of want to make you guess now. Is it the guy in the black hat right here? No, in the uh, blue hat. What? Who is it, Nick? Do you know? Oh, Who in the you? blue hat. I believe oh, I remember. Brett I know who it is. Brett Doe's, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. I thought you were looking at somebody else. Who needs players? Hey, Akeem Tlaib has just walked in. So uh, we got star power now. Look at that. He's got like a Louis Vuitton double Oh, that bag. is nice. Woo. That is nice. He's winning the uh, the dude, pregame he's got walking. The, he's got the tights on underneath the shorts. Yeah. This dude, he's ready to go off. Oh, for man, like... that could be a good pick for Sam. <laughs> he's ready to go off for, for like 20 points. Yeah, we did our uh, points draft earlier on the show. That was a lot of fun. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on, on who gets first and who gets last and all that stuff. Uh, as far as the round ball classic, this is year number 15 of the event. It's seemingly grown each and every year. I think last year... I mean, they made multiple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, they've crossed over a million dollars raised all time, which is just absolutely awesome. What they're yeah. what they're doing for everyone. I know they're selling T-shirts; they're only twenty bucks. Hats are fifteen bucks. 
They got the auctions, the raffle tickets where you can win uh, the different jerseys that are signed by the players that they wear in today's game. So uh, a lot of fun with all that stuff. And uh, with year 15, I, I figured let's go through some of the game history. So we start in 2009. That was the first year of the edition. And we had Team Stallworth, Stallworth coached by Bud Stallworth, beating Team Ritchie, uh, coached by Patrick Ritchie, 111-103. to 103. Then in 2010, we had Aaron Miles take over as the head coach. He took down Team Stallworth 93-91. to 91. But remember, Brian Haney has told us that Bud Stallworth would claim that he's never lost that is in correct. this event. That so was not his fault. That was the GM's on the, fault. Yeah. <laughs> depending on who you ask. Or they got cheated out somewhere. <laughs> Uh, 2011, we had Team Stallworth beat Team Thompson. Calvin Pony Thompson, who's one of the coaches today, is his assistant is the wife of uh, Bud Stallworth, who is uh, Robin Stallworth, and uh, Team Stallworth won that one 114 to 112. And and obviously you keep hearing me mention Stallworth. So this year in year 15, they're they're kind of retiring Bud Stallworth. He's going through some some medical stuff of his own that he's trying to get through, and so. They're going to honor him at some point during the game, and they're going to name the trophy. He's the all-time winningest coach in uh, round ball classic history. I think he might be the all-time losingest coach, too, <laughs> but that's okay. We focus on yeah, the Yeah, you don't look at You don't worry well, about that. All-time winningest coach. He is a legend of the game, so to speak, from that regard for his X's and O's. They're going to name the trophy after him, which, which nothing's cooler than that to get the honor of, of having a trophy named after yourself. So that's exciting. So then 2012, Bud Stallworth, his team beats Scott Pollard's team, which is a, a pair of former RCST uh, co-hosts yeah. at the same time, even. And they win 111 to 110. That was the game that's counted right. in overtime on the Stalwart. If Star you Wars and I co- coached a game against each other, who would win? I'll be, is it this game specifically? Sure, why not, yeah. If it's this game, it really doesn't matter. Because it does matter. No, it doesn't. We're the not coaching, drawing up plays. Coaching matters. The coaches in this game you're, are not dude, drawing up plays. I would be drawing up plays. I'm saying okay, this is what we're going to run. Players would look to you and be I'm like, going to draw this up. Be like, this is what we're A, what is this guy qualified for? B, why should I listen to him? I took a coaching a basketball class. C, they'd be like, uh, Coach, this is a charity event. We're not running sets. We're not running plays. And who are you? Then you're getting tell benched. Me what to do? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be a strict coach. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so anyway, uh, one eleven to one ten. Then twenty thirteen, Team Pollard gets a bit of revenge. They win one hundred ninety seven over Team Stallworth. Twenty fourteen was the one I was telling you earlier. Mario Chalmers. They drew up the play for the. Uh, yeah, the, the chop play misses the three. It goes off, and, and Stephen Vinson tips in the, the winner at the buzzer to win 91-89 as Team Stallworth takes down at Team Thompson. And that's been our most popular matchup. That's the, the really cool factor of this. We've had other coaches, like I mentioned. Uh, Scott Pollard, whether it's been... Uh, Aaron uh, Miles. Yeah, Aaron Miles. We're going to have Greg Ostertag this year. We had Greg Dryling one year. We've had other coaches be a part of this, but the most popular matchup has been Stallworth versus Thompson. The fact that they're on a uh, team together with the coaching side is really cool. So then 2015, Team Stallworth takes down Team Thompson 102-91. to 2016, Team Thompson gets a victory, and that started a run for Team Thompson. 90-83 to in 2016. Team Thompson takes down Team Stallworth again in 2017, 104-101. Then 2018, Team Thompson again, 128-109 to <laughs> over Team Stallworth. And then in 2019... Uh, Team Stallworth, this was the final coached game for Bud Stallworth. Gets a 127 to 124 victory over Team Thompson. Got him back in the end. Yes, I think that was the game that was at Eudora. Hey, Brian Rainey's here. How about that? We got the RCST trivia celebs in the house. They're showing out. It's always nice to see. And uh, yeah, so so that and that was that. Then 2020, we had the COVID year. And uh, it ended up being a three point shootout. They couldn't do a game, they couldn't, you know, fit. 
put fans in the in the stadium and everything with yeah. everything that was going down for COVID. So what they did is they recorded uh, a bunch of guys shooting three point shots, and then they they were obviously on tape delay. But then they put it all out with the broadcast, and Devonte ended up beating Svee in a shootout. They got tied, and then Devonte. But it was unfair because Dev- Devonte was taking them from like a college or a high school gym. Svee was taking them from NBA range. Oh, so I think in my mind, I think Svee? there's an asterisk there. Okay. I'm going Svee for the winner there. Uh, 2021, we had team. They changed it up to Team Crimson and Team Blue, and Team Crimson won 108 to 97 over Team Blue. Then Team Simeon last year, we had Wayne Simeon against Brett Ballard, another former RCST co-host with Brett Ballard, and uh, Wayne Simeon's team won 113 to 111 last year on an amazing comeback. They were down over 20 points. They get the uh, missed three by Sharon Collins, and it's Jeff Graves, Johnny on a spot to be able to tip things in at the buzzer to win the game 113 to 111. Now, as you notice, most of these teams have been called the the team of their coach. Yeah. If you go back and look which color, crimson or blue, was associated with that specific team, it is now a long winning streak for uh one six, of the two sides. Six games, yeah, right? it's, crimson. It's, it's the crimson team yeah. winning six in a row. Yeah. So something something might have to change. It felt like last year again. It was and going into this. I think we both agreed that Team Blue, Blue team. was yeah. a little bit better going into this, but then there was some shuffling. There was a trade, which I believe is the first ever trade in Rock Chuck Rumble Classic history. Uh, so unprecedented stuff yeah. leading up to the game. Mitch Lightfoot traded from the Blue Team to the Crimson Team, and if the Crimson Team loses and they got Mitch Lightfoot and they had to give up the future rights to Hunter Dickinson, yeah, they're going to feel a little silly tonight. Yes, hundred percent agree. And we talked about it earlier during the points draft. Does Mitch Lightfoot come out with some fire in him? He got, you know, he got traded, and he's going to play against the team that traded him. Does he come out and he's like, you know what, I'm going to prove that you shouldn't have traded me. You should have kept me on the blue team, and I'm just going to go nuts and make a bunch of hook shots and dunk everything, whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So there's there's a lot of interesting storylines uh, as well in the game that uh, I'm really looking forward to. I'm also really excited to see that this, uh, this arena is starting to fill up, the stadium starting to fill up here at Free State High School. So there might not be as many tickets left to buy at the door. I know uh, as of a, about an hour ago, we probably had over 100 still probably. Uh, I don't know. With only 30 minutes or if only uh, 45 minutes until we're getting closer to the start, those tickets might be going fast. So if you, you might still have a chance to get some, but it's not a guarantee at this point. There's a, a limited amount. But uh, So I'm really glad to see this place filling up with tons of passionate Jayhawk fans who are also in support of what this is all about, which is uh, the kids and what they're dealing with. So... Really, really cool to see uh, the KU fans showing up and showing out right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, still come by, get your tickets at the door. We're here at Free State High School. Rock Truck Roundball Classic starts up in about uh, 45 minutes from right now. So, I mean, with everything, we're now here. We have the news. Akeem Tlaib's only going to play in the first half. Sharon's only going to play in the second half for the Crimson team. Uh, we have the Nick Collison addition to the, the Crimson coaching staff. No Cole Aldridge. The Mitts Lightfoot trade and everything. Uh, what, is, what is your final point line what what is the uh, official uh, rcst vegas uh, point spread i still feel like blue team needs to be favored a little bit by but not by much maybe like three-ish points i think the real wild card with blue team and you probably agree with me on this is doke what does sure. doke do how much is doke going to play what's going to be his role uh, is he going to be kind of more limited or is he going to be sort of uh, let to do whatever he wants to do so that's kind of the real, I would say, linchpin of this game in terms of if he, because if he ends up playing a good majority of the game, I think the blue team at that point with their dominance inside could really overwhelm the crimson team. 
But if he doesn't play as much, then maybe the Crimson team with their great guards can keep up. And, you know, and listen, I'm not a math guy, as you know, but three <laughs> is greater than two. So That's if correct. the Crimson team just hits a bunch of threes yep. and the blue team is only getting dunks from their big men, the Crimson team would win. Yeah. So I, I think the blue team needs to be favored a little bit. But if the Crimson team gets hot, then I don't know how much. Like, okay, let's say early in the game the Crimson team gets hot. What's the blue team's response to that? Mm. That's a good point. It's hard to catch. Yeah, the blue team is is made for playing with a lead. Yes. The red team is yes. made for run and gun, right? Yes. Yeah. But but we also have Ben McElmore who he might be on his own enough. Yes, he could you know? be yes, he could be able to carry the blue team enough where if even if the Crimson team is hitting a bunch of threes, maybe he just carries them with his with his great play. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I did tally up between the two teams. I tallied up career points scored, rebounds, assists in their time at Kansas. So if they transferred in, I only counted, like Silvio de Sosa transferred out at the end. Yep. I only counted his stats at Kansas. When you look at the averages, uh, so the, the Crimson team actually has more experience. Over, over 1,400 games played at Kansas. The blue team has just under 1,100. Crimson team has almost 4,000 more points, 1,000 more rebounds. The assist is actually more for the blue team by a little bit. Um, so the blue team may be better passing. Maybe that plays in in an event like this where the, the ball's not sticking and you're getting more open shots. But yeah, yeah. when you tally it up in terms of the per-game averages, it's very even. Crimson at 8.5 points per game, over 3 assists per game, or, or 3 rebounds per game, 1.5 assists per game. Blue team at 8 points per game, over 3 rebounds per game, 2.5 assists per game. And it's funny, you might be like, wait, there's all these star players. How is it only 8 points per game? Okay, you have some players who are like walk-on, so that's going to take <laughs> it down. You also, these are career stats, so like if somebody was amazing as a senior but they played 5 minutes per game as a freshman, like that's going to take it down too. But yeah. that, that's pretty cool that it does show you this actually did end up being pretty close in terms of like all-time production. I was curious if you had considered averaging out like the age of the two teams. Which Ooh. team is is better in terms of age? We'll do that between the break. I'm, I'm looking I, at the numbers, and I'm just I, I'm just eyeballing it. I think the blue team is younger than the crimson team. If I just had to add it up uh, a little bit, that's just me eyeballing it. We can do some we can do some quick math in the break and try to figure it out, but. That's just my guess, and I don't know how much of that factors into it either. I mean, you know, some these some of these guys are at different stages of their lives, right? Some of them are like 24, 25, 26 years old. Other guys have families, okay? So, you know, who knows what to expect from that? So, it is interesting, uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be a really exciting game either way. We've had some really close games recently, which has been great for the fans, great for you know the KU fans coming out to support, which has been awesome, and obviously uh, a great show for. Uh, the fans and for the kids that are that are battling, they're they're different to cancers that they, may, that they may be dealing with, which is what this is all about, and trying to support them and and you know give them an avenue for some positivity and, and help them as well financially. So, so much great stuff going on. The energy is great. As I said, the crowd is starting to really fill up in here. Uh, I'm looking out around, and there's a little bit of a still some openings on the far side across from where we're sitting, but it's pretty full right now. I mean, KU fans are certainly. Uh, packing it up here at the uh, at the Free State Gym, so really really exciting about that. There's still an opportunity to get tickets, possibly uh, at the front door for you guys. There was uh, about there was 200 as of uh, a little earlier this afternoon. Probably less than that by now. I'm sure people have started to scoop those up, but still come by to the Free State uh, High School and see if you can't get yourself a ticket or two to sneak into this event. Because I'm telling you, it's going to be well worth your money, and obviously your money is going to support a great cause as well. And you will be thoroughly entertained i'm sure by the game and everything else so great event great people great atmosphere come hang out yep uh by the way i just tallied it up while you're talking 
Blue team average age, 32.4 years old. That's higher than I would have thought. Now, I did not include Jared Pyle. That could skew it. We don't know how old he is. Uh, I did not include Natalie Knight-Johnson because uh, I just I, I, it's, it's not polite to know uh, uh, the, the age of, of the females. And I think Brandon McAnderson is going to come up here oh, perfect. Um, and, and join us here for a second. Uh, meanwhile, for the other side, Trent Green kind of skews it a little bit for the Crimson team. He's 52, uh, but obviously a spry 52. Uh, so... We have Brandon McAnderson with us, who's always a part of this thing. Uh, I ask you this every year, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a, a little, I don't know, carrot to it. I normally ask you what your over-under should be for points scored. Points plus rebounds plus assists. What's the number at? Over-under, uh, three and a half. Um, jokes on the sideline, over-under probably six. <laughs> uh, surprise looks, probably seven and a half. I'm going to go tears. I'm going to go my over-under for tears is eight. Wow. You know, because that's usually the, the best part about this, seeing the children and the families. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I, I thought you were talking about tears from, like, getting dunked on or something. Okay, so, oh, that, no. that's so a much better I, way of okay, looking so, at it. Yeah. So what I have done is I have started a, a dunk-on prevention safety course. <laughs> and basically, if you see one of these athletes where you – because you can't hear their feet. So I don't know if you guys know this. If you're on this floor with these great athletes, you can't hear their feet. Mm. No matter how much force they generate – it's kind of scary. <laughs> so you could get dunked on because you can't hear their feet. So what I try to do, stand on the three-point line. You get backdoor cut, who cares? <laughs> Rebound right off the rim, somebody else's job. Uh, Mitch <laughs> can cover you up or somebody. Stay out there and be fine, you know. <laughs> A team of you, Trent Green, Akib Tlaib, and, and me and Nick, are we scoring at all? Okay, so Akib. It's probably still in really good shape. And we used to play basketball back in the day. Really good handles, a really good athlete. Not a shooter, but I think he could get to the rim because nobody plays defense. Yeah, nobody's going to block you. You figure Trent's a, a sniper, so he's going to be able to make shots. And I just met Trent in the back, and uh, I had to remind him. So when I was in camp with the Rams in 2008, my first moment was a team meeting. I sat in the wrong seat. <laughs> and I tried to pick the most obscure seat possible, you know, left, front, but too close for a veteran. And I sat in this seat, like, fourth from the middle, so not prime seating. And Tori Holt tapped me on my shoulder and said, oh, you're no. in my seat, Rook. <laughs> <laughs> and the other funny part about that is later on um, in practice, they were limiting reps. And I was trying to get as many as I can. And Trent Green went out of his way to get me extra reps. Okay, that's so cool. I thanked him because he was kind to me in a space where – you know, a cutthroat space. Sure, of so course. I'm glad he's here. Okay, well, uh, with Akib, we, we did see him earlier. Yeah, he was he was looking in good shape. I think he had like a Louis Vuitton or something, oh, a yeah. little it's, duffel bag it's with clean, him. Whatever it is, it was uh, pretty funny. <laughs> I, that actually brings up a good question because you mentioned playing basketball with him back in your days at Kansas. Was there was there anybody on the football team that would surprise you? Maybe how good they were at basketball? Marcus Henry. Really? Okay. So Marcus Henry not this only would big receiver, yeah, right? not yeah. only would have surprised you. Like, was good enough to be a Big 12-level player. Wow. You know, 6'5", wow. strong, handle, deep three ball, would dunk on you. We used to call him mute because he never talked. <laughs> so we played uh, we played uh, intramural basketball, and I remember driving the baseline, and he was he was running it, ready to catch an alley-oop down the middle, and I didn't throw it. And uh, mute never talked. And he walks up to me and said, hey, throw that thing up. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> So we actually started calling him mutation after that because he was just a whole different animal. Then he went on to have a monster year his senior year. But 
that guy could really play basketball. Did you guys win your, your rec championship? So what would always happen is that we would get to the quarterfinals, and uh, it was right about the time where uh, we had to do stuff. Oh. So we wouldn't be able to. So it would be spring football or pro day. It was They'd always bump right up into each other where we'd have to stop. So rarely did we ever finish the season. We'd usually bow out in the quarters. If one of you guys would have rolled your ankle or something, what do you think Mark Mangino's response would have been? Oh, I already know the answer to this because there was a walk-on. I will spare him his name. He turned his ankle playing basketball, and usually when you turned your ankle, they put you on the bike and you'd run. But since he did it playing basketball, um, he was went through one of the most treacherous workouts I've ever seen in my life. He was hang cleaning on the turf, oh, man. Uh, doing up downs, burpees, just with one with oh. one foot because he couldn't even. His he had such a bad high ankle sprain. He was in an air cast, and they just were destroying him. So we got a good look of what that is, and we all stayed away. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, I'll, I'll let you get some shots up here. I do want to ask you one K football question. Um, we are in the summer now, so we're, we're under 100 days. Exciting! Every what's the, the thing you're most excited for for KU football this off season or, or in the fall? Most excited for, I think, this is going to sound strange, but I think it's uh, offensive line play. We have become this team of, man, those guys are really solid. Man, these guys don't make any mistakes. I think this is the step, the season where we take the step where it's, these guys are dominant. They're not just good. They're not just consistent. They're not just a low mistake, low turnover, no frills. Now when you see their physicality and their talent, you're talking about we've got eight starters. <laughs> you only need yeah. five. So that's a very good sign about the competition. That's a very good sign about what we can do from a rotational aspect. So I'm super excited about the O-line going from this consistent, reliable thing to this dominant strength of the team thing. I think if you had like 10 Logan Browns, you could dominate the world. No question. Dude, gigantic. <laughs> no question. That guy is something to look at. Awesome, B-Mac. Well, I'll let you get some shots up. Enjoy, and uh, we're rooting for you to score some I points tonight. I appreciate uh, Thank you, Thanks. man. That's Brandon McAnderson, Jayhawk Radio Network. You'll be able to hear him as the uh, sideline analyst for the KU football games and uh, as part of the Jayhawk Radio Network here on KLWN. Look at that. He's even signing, signing, signing some autographs up there. He'll go get quick. some uh, shots up and everything. It's, it's always fun to see him out there. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun I wanted to today. ask him uh, which player on the blue team was he least ah, excited to uh, potentially to go guard. Possibly? I bet you Doke would have been the answer. <laughs> I feel like that's not a fun you just call for, for a anyone. switch. You just call for a switch. Okay, like, wait, switch wait, fun. Will Doke take a three tonight? Oh. I mean, this I, is the event to do it, right? Yeah, but I feel like he probably won't. Maybe. Because he's not even going to be at the three-point line. He's just going to go He's just going to go underneath the rim and, you know, do his thing. Yeah, I right? would th- maybe. I mean, this isn't like, like Bill Self's not going to yell at him for being like, get under the basket, you know? Like, <laughs> I think Bill Self's supposed to be here. What if he does yell at him for not getting under the basket? That would be actually very funny. That would be very funny. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a uh, timeout here. Thank you to BMAC for joining us. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. We're half past the hour here at 6.30 on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. And Kylie Kopadich has just arrived. And uh, one of the great three-point shooters in KU women's basketball history. We saw Keep Tlaib earlier. Brandon McAnderson's here. You can still buy tickets at the door. Come out to Free State High School. Just $15 a pop. It's one of the most special events of the year. So we have the Crimson team versus the Blue team. The Blue team looking to snap their six-game losing streak. And... Uh, uh, lineup projections we haven't gotten the starting lineups yet what would you project it to be you want to start with the crimson team or the blue yeah, let's team? do the crimson team first all right crimson team first i think you got to have devon dotson agreed 
You gotta have Svi. Agree. You gotta have. I. I mean, I don't know. Do you think Mitch Lightfoot starts? So that was my biggest question. So I, I think Dotson for sure starts, and I think Svee definitely starts. And then I think probably Keith Langford starts. I was going to go Keith Langford at one of the wing spots, yep. and then I had Brandon Rush. Yep. I yep. think that would make or, sense. Or Travis Relaford. Or Tyrell sure. Reed. Sure. Any of those three guys I think could start. I'm going to go Dotson, Rush, Langford, and then I think Svee starts at the four like he did for the 18 KU team. Yep. Right? Um, did well against Marvin Bagley. And then Bagley, is it so. Darnell Jackson or Mitch Lightfoot? And that's the question. That's I have I, I literally wrote down Lightfoot slash Jackson <laughs> because I have zero clue. Is there any issue you think with possible team chemistry from the fact that Mitch Lightfoot was not on the Ooh. team and he gets traded in kind of last minute? Could there be an issue with team chemistry That's in the locker room to where they want to go with Jackson, who maybe has a little bit more chemistry with the rest good of the team? Good point. Head coach, too, is Calvin Pony Thompson, who is uh, more of an old head. He probably is going to think that. I mean, you have, you have two national championship winning big men, though. I, I would lean, I think, Darnell Jackson. Okay. okay. But I, 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 would, I would agree with that. I, think, I, I think, feel like Mitch plays more minutes, though. I think Dotson and Svee are locks. Yeah. I think I feel Keith good about Rush and Langford probably is a lock. And then at that point, you could go with uh, Tyrell Reed, Travis Williford, or Brandon Rush, I think, is that fourth spot. Yeah. And by the way, Tyshawn Taylor's just come out here, too. Um, I See, but here's what you got to consider, too. The starting lineups aren't necessarily indicative. This isn't like a real game. Yeah. Starting lineups are more going to be about what can be the best star power they throw out there. It's not going to necessarily be the most minutes. I've seen guys start before and play five minutes. And then okay, yeah. You know? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think those would be the most star power that you could okay. put out there. But, yeah, Darnell or Mitch, I don't know. It could be Mitch just because of the recent national championship. So I think it kind of depends. Uh, what about the blue team? Uh, at the blue team, same deal. I think there's a couple guys that are locks. Ben I feel McLemore. like Doke definitely starts. Ben McLemore. Yeah, Ben McLemore be sure starts. Doke starts. I don't know how long he plays, but I think he starts. And then I think Wayne Selden probably starts. I would agree with that. And then Russell Robinson's probably your starting point guard. I don't know, man. I think that's the toughest to figure out because you have a group of Tyshawn oh, I guess Tyson Taylor, Taylor would be your Elijah starting point guard. Johnson. And Russell Robinson, that I think it's two of those three, or it's one of the three. If keep in mind, Greg Ostertag, what is what position did Greg Ostertag play? He was, he a, was center. a center. Yeah. What if he wants to play big basketball? Go Doke okay. at the five. Go with Jeff Graves at the four, and just roll out a big lineup. Right. And, say, and then you have yeah. Selden and Macklemore at the two and three, and then yeah. Tyshawn at the one. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, actually, if he I do wants think, to go I multiple think, guards, I think Elijah and Tyshawn recreating the 2012 backcourt. Yeah, I do think Tyshawn is probably. I, I, I overlooked him a little bit. I think he probably is starting, for sure. Yeah. So the locks on this one, I think, are Wayne Selvin, Ben McLemore, Tyshawn Taylor, Doke. That's four. That leaves you with one spot that could go to, like, Jeff Graves, like you referred to. Could go to Elijah Johnson. Could go to, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, is there any chance Silvio starts? I think there's a chance. I wouldn't expect it, though. Okay, that's Because I, I feel like, okay, if Silvio was on the Crimson team, I would feel it would be more likely. With the blue team, I guess what, what if Doke does come in today and he's like, I, I can't play, yeah. or I'm not playing. Yeah. Then at that point, it's him or Graves. But I feel like because what Graves did last year, having the game-winning shot, you would have to, at that point, give him the nod, right? But again, yeah, what if true. you want to play too big basketball? That's true. He's definitely, Graves has that, uh, he has the experience at the round ball yeah. classic. You know, that, that matters. Yeah. That okay. matters. Okay. Um, best player on both teams? All right. For the Crimson team. I'll say Dotson. So is this going to be like, just who scores the most points tonight for uh, both teams? Just who has the biggest impact, which okay, I guess theoretically impact. will be points. Because there's not really much defense played, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Dotson is maybe the more obvious choice for the Crimson team. I mean, if Svee just hits a million threes, yeah, yeah. then it could be Svee. Uh, Dark Horse, Tyrell Reed. Dark Horse, uh, let's see. Yeah, those are probably the main. I mean, I guess maybe Keith Langford comes okay. and just wants the ball out. Biggest boom or bust candidate on the Crimson team, meaning that they could score two points, they could score 20. I feel like it's Chris Tehan. That's a good one. Right? Could hit a bunch of threes and he just gets hot. Yeah, I feel like it's Chris Tehan. Uh, I, maybe I would it's, almost say maybe Brandon it's, Rush. Maybe it's Brandon McAnderson. <laughs> I, I love BMAC. I don't know that he's going to score 20. But a boom a for one. him could be like 15. No, he's not going to score 15. Um, I love BMAC. He will not <laughs> score 15. I feel good about that. By the way, Nick Collison has just entered into the gym. Um, I think the biggest boom bust guy is Brandon Rush. We don't know how much he's going to play. He's 37 years old. Yeah. I think he's retired from basketball now. I could be wrong on that. Uh, I don't know. He's been playing in like the three on three, so maybe not like officially. But um, he could. You could convince me he only plays, you know, 10 minutes, scores six points. But he's also had a pure jump shoot, 43 and a half percent from three over his KU career. He could come out and just splash 10 threes. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm watching Tyshawn Taylor warm up right now. He hasn't missed a shot. He's yep. just nailing everything. College players are good. Which, by the way, the <laughs> basketball he's using looks like it was. Yeah, Back in it? the James Naismith era. Yeah, why does it look like that? That thing has zero tread <laughs> left on it. Um, so I, I don't know what's up with that. Uh, but, yeah, man, I, I think that would be the answer to that. What about on the blue team? So best player, okay, I, I think feel like Ben McElmore. Ben McElmore Wayne probably. Wayne has got a chance for Wayne it, Seldon. Doke if he tries really hard. Doke if he plays enough minutes and, and, yeah, really puts in the effort. Those are probably the top three. I mean, is there any chance that Silvio is a dark horse candidate to be so. really good? Because here's the thing, too. Silvio, he only shot three threes in his time at Kansas. I remember seeing him in warm-ups at times, and he could get, like, hot from three. Okay. Um, this is an event where you hit some threes, I guess. Okay. So, uh, I, I don't know. I could see him dominating. So I would say well. one of McLemore, Selden, or Azubuki with DeSosa as maybe a possible yeah. dark horse. Yeah, I think those are uh, those are all good answers there. Um, in terms of boomer bust, I mean, we looked at the stats. It's, I think it's probably Russell Robinson, right? If we're sure. looking, if we're talking strictly points, because he has a history of scoring a lot of points in some games and then other games. I would say Jeff really Graves too. Kind of same Graves? thing. Okay, yeah. Like he could go for fifteen and twenty. But see, I don't want to say Russell Robinson's a boomer bust because he could maybe only score two points, but yeah. he might be assisting, you know, and Get getting steals. a bunch of dimes and stuff. Well, that's part of it too. With some of the point guards, like your Tyshawns, he's he's making everything right now. Once we get into the game. He might get a steal or something and then want to throw a lob to someone, yeah. right? He might yeah. want to throw an alley-oop or he might try to throw down a crazy dunk that he can't complete or shoot a half-court shot. So it does kind of add to it a little bit, uh, a bit of a flair there that makes it interesting. And we talked to Cole Aldridge last Friday, and one of the things that, that brought up with, with Cole that tends to happen in this event every year, you'll see this happen, there might be a stretch where a team collects like three consecutive um, offensive rebounds. And literally, the center could, has nobody on him. He could just turn around and lay it up, but he doesn't. He's just doing it for fun, and he just keeps kicking it out, and he keeps shooting threes. So if a big man really wants it, but that's what Jeff Graves did last year to get 17 points. Yeah. He said, screw that. I'm just going to take the two points, right? So if, if a big man does do that, they can score 20-30 easy. But I don't know if they will. We've got some very special guests yeah. that just have arrived uh, from the... Ronald McDonald. This uh, is part of my favorite thing of the event every year. They do this every year. You call it the Ronald McDonald universe or Ronald McDonald characters? Dude, Grimace has gotten they've bigger. They've got Grimace and they've got the Hamburglar uh, that are out right now. And Grimace yeah, has got Grimace, some junk in the trunk. Grimace, <laughs> Grimace is looking pretty thick, if we're being honest. 
he's looking Look pretty. At his shoes. Yeah, he's, he's looking. Shoe size he wearing? He's looking pretty thick. He looks like he's got Shaq's shoes on. No, those are bigger than Shaq's. Yeah, man. I mean that, that's the same. But Shaq could fit. Great to see uh, Grimace. I think Grimace is your favorite, right? I love Grimace, dude. Yeah. Like, what is he? He's just a purple blob <laughs> who just smiles and has a good time. Man, uh, McDonald's their like actual Twitter account. Grimace is taken over. Yes, and I saw that. It, I, I die laughing every time I see it. He's like taking <laughs> pictures of like one eye. I, I don't know. I, I love Grimace, dude. I love it. Okay, if we're if we're doing a draft of McDonald's, oh, uh, true. mascots or players, no, we're mascots. only seeing two of them right now. So I guess we're yeah, yeah hamburger and Grimace. The other but options we know are Ronald McDonald, obviously right? Ronald McDonald. What else? I don't know. What else is there? There's. A, they used to have a McDonald's TV show. They used to have a bunch that? of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. So we got, we got some. Ah, oh, gosh. There's all sorts of weird things. Oh wow. There's like yeah. There's a lot going things. on. There's a pirate. <laughs> I don't know what that's from. There's also some lady who looks like a pilot. She's got like pilot goggles on. Okay, also, power uh, rank. baby, baby J is here as well. So. Okay. Well, let's just power rank the mascots we have here. Okay. Baby, baby J, J Grimace, Grimace, Hamburglar. I'm going Grimace like one. You can't put Baby J last. You just can't do it. Yeah, I'm. Well, man, but the Hamburglar's got to have great like theft ability, right? He does. He's getting a billion steal. Lockdown defender. Um, Baby J is the smallest. It, Grimace is just so wide that he he's nope. as wide as the lane itself. He yeah, stops he's, everything. He's stopping everything <laughs> on the inside, and, and if he wants to back down anybody, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're trying to. Draw, get a block. Like, if you're trying to drive inside and get a block against Grimace, the, it's, the call is you're never going to go your way. You're done, dude. You're done. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going Grimace 1. I'm going Hamburglar 2. I'm sorry. i got to go Baby J 3. I can't put Baby J last. Too short. I can't Maybe do If, if it's full-size J, Big probably J. number 2. Not, his J. name is yeah. not full-size well. <laughs> J. His name is Big J. Get it right. What if what if we uh, did it that way? What if it was full-size and fun-size, like candy bars, with fun-size J? Uh, uh, I, I like Baby J better. Dude, Grimace yes. would be... Uh, what's, what's the... Is it king size? King size? Is that when the, the candy bar is like extra large? Yes. Is that I think called? that's the largest Grimace size. Grimace of... is double king size. He, yes, yes. I mean, I, I don't know if we can fully capture for the radio audience just how no. wide Grimace is. you got to come here for yourself. Get tickets at the door. They're still available. Yes. Just to see Grimace. Just to see just Grimace, to see, honestly. honestly. I mean, yeah. this, they, he is thick. He is looking out there pretty thick. Yeah, dude. I'm telling He can play defensive tackle. Who needs Dejon Terry? <laughs> dude, get Grimace, Well, man. how much do you think Grimace Line weighs? Him up. Um... I feel like the mascot suit is pretty hollow, so it's not going to be too much. But if like he was a real human being, yeah, and that's Grimace what he was a like, real thing, and that was filled with Grimace blubber, blubber, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Four, five hundred pounds, man. That's a big load to try unit. to move in, inside unit. the trench, inside the trenches, man. He would be a, he would be unstoppable. He would be tackle. He would. Right, as much as I'd uh, love to keep talking about Grimace and everything, we do have to take a break here, and then we'll come back. More Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic Talk, more RCST after this. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson, Sam Speck back in studio. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN and Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.